Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. I mean, we manipulate the media because the media is a bunch of idiots anyway. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, April 17, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 296. This is No Agenda. Happy and distracted here. High atop the hilltop watchtower, crackpot command center, Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the fog has actually rolled in, it's foggy again here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Well, in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you. And in the morning to all ships at sea and boots on the ground and feats in the air. And all of our human resources in the chat room at noagendachat.net, noagendastream.com. Uh, I think we're at seven or 800 right now. They're all charged up and ready to go exactly the way their government loves them and needs them to complete their valuation of $9.1 million in a lifetime. Uh, a short, uh, short couple of days there between shows and uh, tons and tons and tons of interesting stuff. Really? I found nothing. Well, I found uh, right off the bat, I found it very interesting how the Ministry of Truth came out with the uh, secretly recorded audio of Obama. It's yes, like, which re- I have a copy of. Really does. Now, do you have the full copy where he's talking about the White House phone system being lame? No. Because this is now reported. You, as, have the, you have that copy? No, no. Of course not, because it's fake. The whole thing is fake. Oh, duh, duh, yeah, but, duh, winning. Yeah, but it's like everywhere is like, well, you know, he didn't realize the microphone was on. Oh, oh really? Now he realized it. it. sounds like he was reading from a prompt. Is, is the mic on? Is the mic yeah. on? Yeah, it Hold is. Okay, go, President. Yeah. <laughs> it was so Why funny. Why doesn't the guy have the ball? If he, ha- if he wants to call these guys out as douchebags, why doesn't do he have it. the balls to do it? Well, he's campaigning now. This is part of the, you know, some genius went, I got a great idea. Well, we got to make him sound tough and use words like, uh, we're not stupid. We're not stupid. Yeah, we'll make him sound tough. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you know what we're going to do? Get that uh, compromised guy from CBS. Which one? Well, <laughs> choose one. They're <laughs> all compromised. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll you release pick. it. Here's the menu. And meanwhile, there's just absolutely, it's like, I want the whole recording then. You know, where's the whole recording? No, it's just bits and pieces. The funny one well, it's, was... It's around somewhere. No, it's not. Um, I hate to tell you, but it's not. No, it has to no. be. Why, wait, 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 are you telling me that they released this and then they <laughs> edited it after? They, no, they, yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. CBS News, and, and, you know, that would be, that's the premier place to look because it was a CBS reporter. That was an ABC, was it CBS? No, no, CBS. No, no, they're all compromised. Yeah, what? It was a CBS guy, and then you okay, know, the, CBS. The, the only thing you know they have like two two bits of it, and then there's a couple of other um, uh, mentions. Well, so people know what we're talking about. Let's play. Let's play. Oh, I have the, the, the I, clipped well, up version. Yeah, duh! Like I don't have a clip of it. Well, but, I didn't think you'd, you. Right. You probably would have figured I would have had a clip of it. Oh no, no! I never take that risk. Did you hear what President Obama said at his fundraiser? Now, he didn't mean it for public dissemination, but he got caught oh, by a hot crap. mic. <laughs> he, didn't, he, he didn't mean it for public dissemination. No, no, this was meant to be secret. And it was taped. Now, here's what he said. You want to repeal health care? Go at it. Go ahead, bitches. We'll have that debate. But you're not going to be able to do that by nickel and dime and me in the budget. Huh? You think we're stupid? <laughs> when Paul Ryan says his priority is to make sure that we're, you know, He's just being America's accountant and, you know, trying to, you know, be responsible. 
this, this is the same guy who voted for two wars that were unpaid for, voted for the Bush tax cuts that were unpaid for, voted for uh, the prescription drug bill that cost as much as my health care bill but wasn't paid for. That's all you got? I got more than that. Oh, you beat me? Yeah, oh, that's all no. you got? That's all you got? Oh, no. No, so it's... <laughs> there he is. There he is. So, uh, finally, after th- four years, you have a slide whistle. Congratulations, child. I'm so happy for you. I'm a little slow on the draw. No, the one that I really wanted... Maybe Was this in Chicago where this took place? Was that where this uh, recording is from? I don't really die somewhere. Okay, because then this is reported... It, it, it took place in the White House studio. <laughs> I'm sorry, what am I thinking? That's right, in the White House green screen room. Uh, donors in his hometown of Chicago, he said... And this, I wish this is the audio I want. He says... We can't get our phones to work. Come on, guys. I'm the president of the United States. Where's the fancy buttons and stuff and the big where the big screens come up? It doesn't happen. I always thought I was going to have, like, really cool phones and stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a good one. <laughs> that's why I wanted that's the, the audio. That's the clip we want. Yeah. He says... Well, that's, that's an embarrassing clip, so they wouldn't play that. No, of course not. This is why you know it's not true. He goes even further. Uh, answering questions about bottlenecks and techno- technological in- uh, innovation, the president says, uh, well, technology purchasing throughout the U.S. government is horrible. It's true in the Pentagon. It's true in the agencies. It's true in the Department of Homeland Security. He did, however, say that federal government workers are, were, on the whole, smart and dedicated. He's like, really? It's like, you know, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, so here's the other clip of uh, audio that I got that I uh, that I like because I saw this guy being interviewed by Wolf Blitzer. I'm sorry, it's uh, Wolf Blitzer exclusive interview with the Emir of Qatar, or you say Cutter. Everyone says Cutter, and whenever you say Cutter, like I always have to think of a when I was a kid, we had a neighbor whose dog was named Cutter because he's always cutting the cheese. Doesn't sound right, Qatar. Don't it? Wouldn't it be Qatar? Sounds better than Cutter. They say you can pronounce it either way, but if you listen to a Cutterese speak it, they they say it in some really kind of a guttural way that's different than both. Okay, so we should, like Tahrir Square, we should say. So here's uh, Obama talking about, uh, and this should help you with the Ministry of Truth Dissemination, just dissection, talking about his uh, meeting with the uh, um, Emir of Qatar. Of course, he had the, uh, you know, this is before Wolf got to talk to him. It's interesting, I had the. Uh a mirror of Qatar <coughs> come by uh, the Oval Office today. And uh, they, uh, you know, he owns Al Jazeera, basically. I like that he says that. He's a, he owns, basically, no, he owns Al Jazeera. Can we just, like, all understand this for a moment? Yeah, but well, we also have to understand that he is also owned by MI6. Yeah, duh. Pretty influential guy. Winning. And, uh, I, I love the slaves in the audience. Yeah, yeah, the pretty influential guy. Yeah, go Al Jazeera. He is a big booster, big promoter of democracy all throughout the Middle East. Oh, reform, yeah. reform, reform. You're seeing ah. it on Al Jazeera. Now, he himself is not reform. Now, you, you, you add over it, but he said something very interesting. Listen again. And uh, he is a big booster, big promoter of democracy all throughout the Middle East. Reform, reform, reform. You're seeing it on Al Jazeera. Yeah, he, so he's literally saying it. He's literally saying that the message is pumped. Yeah, he's being pumped through Al Jazeera. Now, he himself is not reforming significantly. 
Let me rattle my diamonds. <laughs> There's no big move towards democracy in Qatar. This is such a, hey, hey, Amir. Look out, bitch. I got my eye on you. That's exactly what this is. You know, part of the reason is that the per capita income of Qatar is $145,000 a year. Yeah, so this was the story. Is like uh, so the uh, so now here's how he's going to spin this and this will this will become something we'll be Wait, talking I mean, go about back more. And play that again. He said, does he say the capital income? Yes. No. The is that supposed to like, per capita? I, I think is he what means he per say, capita. Right? Let's see. But, you know, part of the reason is that the per capita income of now, he's, ah. he's a the okay, per capita. But Sorry. now, but now listen to how he kind of like muffles away what that means. Qatar is one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars a year. That will dampen a lot of conflict. <laughs> if everyone is as rich as we were, Obama, <laughs> yes. why would we be pissed off slaves? $145,000 a year. <laughs> now, keep in mind, they have like 1.7 million people. And 75% of... Here, here, he's starting to do the math, our genius president. And watch how he traps himself. Aren't even Qatari. They're from all over the world. You know, Filipinos and Pakistanis. And, but they're, you know, average incomes is $145,000 a year. Now, granted, it's, you know, if you look at the, the curve. Uh, oh, right. Duh. Yeah, there's 1.7 million people, of which 100,000 are multi-billionaires and the rest are slaves. Yeah, then your average is 445,000. And he tries to, like, get out of it. I'm sure that... Not every laborer there is, but but, 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 but oh, crap! Oh crap! Oh, oh, how can I mess that up? Oh crap! Oh, oh. idiot! Uh, but he he uh, <laughs> he's so funny, man. He he provides so much uh, entertainment. Uh, well, you know, it's going to get worse because he's on the road. And he's you know campaigning now, and yeah. which means he's going to be in a lot of these casual conversations where yeah. he's and Le- he's, and he's overconfident. Leaked yeah, leaked audio. Oh, he's, oh, his hubris is outrageous. Do you know? My, I'm reminded of the hubris. You know, the, did you hear what AMC is up to with their uh, new reality show? Yeah, the Department of Homeland Security reality. I mean, show. talk about hubris. How how dumb do you, do you have? I to love be it. Be- yeah, no, I love it. And you know what the show is going to be called? If you see something, say something. <laughs> Doesn't that sound perfect? We can, Jeff Smith, Sir Jeff Smith, we can sell this to Lucy Napolitano. She will love it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for. If you see something, say something. With Lucy Napolitano, starring as Lucy. With the pat down of the six year old. <laughs> and the eight year old. There's a new one now. Oh, is there? Great. So, um, our president does his weekly address uh, to everybody. And uh, once again, he pulls out the H word, and it's starting to really bother me. Now, one plan put forward by some Republicans in the House of Representatives aims to reduce our deficit by $4 trillion over the next 10 years. But while I think their goal is worthy, I believe their vision is wrong for America. It's a vision that says at a time when other nations are hustling to outcompete oh. us for the jobs. Yeah, they're hustling, John. Those, those, damn them. They're hustling again. We're not hustling hard enough. Who's hustling? What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. He likes he? the word. Yeah, he sure does. And he's, he finally admitted that he's an elitist bastard. Oh well, well I'm surprised it took him this ca- long. Huh? I'm surprised it took him this long. Yeah, have a listen. 
We'll reduce spending in our tax code with tax reform that's fair and simple so that the amount of taxes you pay doesn't depend on how clever an accountant you can afford. And we should end the tax cuts for the wealthiest Americans, too. Because people like me don't need another tax cut. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's a good one. I look at that like, okay, wow. (laughs) You know who the other guy is who keeps saying that about himself? I don't need another tax cut. Uh, No, who's that? Buffett. Oh, Buffett. He's senile. He's running on a chip. The, The guy can't actually be doing anything. I don't trust him. I don't like him. I don't trust him. Sorry, I mentioned his name. Yeah, sitting there in Omaha. Pedo Pedo Bear. Yeah, he is. No, he's in Seattle and San Francisco most of the yeah, time. Yeah, but the whole th- the whole outfit, the whole operation is in Omaha. Yeah, he's like you said, he doesn't what have do anything mean? to do He's with always it. in Omaha. He's like at the donut he just shop. He shows up for that one meeting. He's uh, never. In <laughs> I Omaha. thought he was at the donut shop hanging out and uh, Pedo Bear Central there. So, um, uh, very annoying once again. Uh, on the, the last program, uh, we caught uh, uh, White House spokeshold Jay Carney tripping over his word, substituting Syria for Libya. Um, and, of course, the White House press corps, that stellar group of uh, Woodward and Bernsteins, they uh, went, oh, he made a funny, <laughs> he was, you meant Libya, not Syria. No, he meant Syria. And not, not, no sooner have we ended the show <clears throat> as what shows up, you actually sent me a link to it. It's like, uh, well, here Yeah, comes. it was like as soon as the show was over, I was annoyed <laughs> by the fact we didn't pick it up during the show. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, if you want to know what the path to Persia is and what, what is happening next, there's only two guys you have to listen to. Only two. Because they are the front runners. They are the war mongers. And it's uh, McCain. Uh, George McCain, and uh, this guy, Lieberman. Lieberman does it again, and he, he's great at telegraphing. I mean, can, can we just put a camera on Lieberman all the time? Because We should have a reality show around Lieberman rather than around Lucy Napolitano. It's Larry Lieberman, everybody. So he gets asked about Syria, and uh, I don't know if he was prepared or not. I have to presume he was, but he basically just pulled out the... the I was asked about Syria. I'm sorry. He pulled out the Libya script. What should we do about Syria? Well, uh, let me say first that it's very important for everybody to understand that what we're doing with the world community in Libya is what the Arab world wants us to do, what the Arab street wants us to do. (laughs) Isn't that great? So all of a sudden now we do what the Arabs want us to do? Okay. All right. So finally, we we are on the side of, of the mass of people um, yearning to be free within uh, the uh, <laughs> because it gets better world. Secondly, um, I think the world has made a very clear statement in Libya, which uh, is being heard by both the Arab people and the Arab dictators elsewhere in the region. And I'd say, with regard to Syria, that Assad. The- now he has a good name, right? We've got to we got to get used to the name Assad. Assad. Well, so you, know, have- you, have to, you have to know the background here. You had the first Assad, which was the guy who ran the place until he dropped dead and his son took over the second Assad. Mm-hmm. But the first Assad was a real nasty person that nobody was going to mess with. And if you even said anything about him or even wrote an op-ed in like a national newspaper, you would get, you would get a death threat. Right. 
And he's the guy who's notorious for there was some town that had a little skirmish, a a protest, a couple of guys holding signs. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's easy to look up. It's it's in Wikipedia. A town of 40,000 people. Because of this one protest, he killed everybody in the town and then took bulldozers and bulldozed the town. There's no town there. Now, is this the guy currently or is this the no, previous that's the guy? Dad. Oh, very and good. Okay. Nobody was saying nothing when he was in charge. No, because you don't want to like get bulldozed. And so the kid took over and, uh, you know, he just probably he's not. He can't possibly be the, the, <laughs> the horrible person his dad was, a Stalin. Oh. And uh, so they're, they're going to push him over. We're so push him so there's a running meme. So it's the Assad meme. So everyone's like, oh, Assad. Yeah. I've, oh, he's bad. I've heard about him. He's bad. But this is like the third Assad in the line. It uh-huh. actually might be the third, but I know for a fact it's the second. The, okay. the, the one before him, the dad, was the one that was the kick-ass guy. I mean, this guy was just nasty. Well, I think and he was also responsible, as believed, for most terror uh, operations, all of them, including the the, bomb, the Lockerbie thing. Yeah. And uh, oh, he was involved in that too. He was involved in everything, and his his whole way, as I was explained to me once by an Arab, as a matter of fact, the Hama uh, massacre is what it was. Hama. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, he was involved in just about everything and because there is, there's one of the few countries that doesn't have a real big supply of oil, if any. And ah, so they, they have something, though. <laughs> I know what they have. They have something now? Oh, they, they've got something. It's not oil. Let's, let's listen to Larry Lieberman's show again. It's name, by the way, if you're new to the show, uh, yes, we know his name is Joe. But uh, for purposes of his reality program, uh, management has decided Larry uh, sounds better. Dictator there. Ought to uh, and probably is getting a very clear message. If he turns his weapons uh, on his people and begins <laughs> to slaughter them as Gaddafi did, <laughs> no, no, we we what, stopped this the same script. Yes, we stopped Gaddafi from slaughtering, dude. What are you talking about? You can't have it both ways. Well, we stopped Gaddafi. Did yeah, he said as Gaddafi did, as Gaddafi did. If he turns his weapons uh, on his people and begins to slaughter them as Gaddafi did, he's going to run the risk of having the world com- community come in and impose a no-fly zone and protect <laughs> civilian population. Uh, Can't just they come as up with a doing. new playbook? No, no, because it works so well, and all of the slaves go. Okay. 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 <laughs> in, in Libya. And therefore, uh, Assad uh, has one choice, and that is to negotiate uh, with the uh, uh, freedom fighters in Syria. Oh, they've got freedom fighters there, too, all of a sudden. The freedom wow. fighters. Yeah. It's not protests, anyway, by, by, the, by the way, anymore. It's not, it's, not pro- it's freedom fighters. John, freedom fighters. Hey, how can you oppose a freedom fighter? You this can't. Is, you can't. No. Uh, to to create an entirely different uh, government let, let, there. Let me just, let me just interrupt very briefly, Senator Lieberman. We're running out of time, but are you suggesting that you would support some kind of international coalition to go in and do in Syria what we're doing now in Libya? What kind of question is that, you idiot? Duh! If uh, Assad does what Gaddafi was doing, which is to threaten to go house, listen, listen, listen now. The house and kill anybody who's not on his side. There's a precedent. Was Gaddafi doing that, John? House to house, (laughs) house to house. 
Hello, open um, up. Assad <laughs> does what Gaddafi was doing, which is to threaten to go house to house and kill anybody who, who's not on his side. There's mm. a precedent now that the world community has set in Libya, and it's the right one. We're not going to stand by and allow this Assad to slaughter his people like his father did uh, oh, years ago. No. And in doing so, we're being consistent with our American values, and, and we're also <laughs> f on the side of the Arab people. Let, let me, who let me switch to Arabs, go Arabs, go Arabs, go Arabs. I'm so confused. 9-11 is a bad Arab. Now it's like good Arab. I don't know what to do anymore. So you asked the question, John. Is why? That the end of the clip? Yeah, that's the end of the clip. Oh. Yeah, so I know. So you asked the question. I like that clip. Well, I got a better one for you. Mm. Yeah, I'm 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 shooting my wad early in the show. So um, now we know why Libya was important, and uh, and it's too simple to say. Oh, it's about oil. Yeah. Um, it was simple a, but true. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little too simple because it was about the Chinese. And, well, the Chinese and oil. Well, yeah, but uh, you you yeah, okay. you laid it out quite clearly, and we know that uh, there's a lot of people from companies were evacuated out of Libya, but by far the most were the thirty thousand Chinese oil workers who were evacuated. So the and I I give you full credit for this. You said, look, hear me now, <laughs> believe me later. Listen, the Chinese were you know Libya was doing a deal with the Chinese and then Britain and France and the United States went uh, excuse me we'll have none of that and whatever the reasons were we have our uh, suspicions but that was the that was really the impetus for going in and kicking kicking the Chinese out and trying to take it over right you with me on that that yes yeah, this is my theory yes so Syria now why is why Syria why uh, Syria? you dug something up no yes I have well, what? let me say, it's the Chinese again. I don't know. What? No, it's not the Chinese. No. Wait, wait, let me guess. George Clooney. <laughs> no. It's got something to do with George if Clooney. If only. Okay. If only. <laughs> no, so I have a clip here from Russia today. Oh. And uh, they still are not taking our advice. In fact, they are doing... <laughs> They are doing exactly the opposite. Instead of putting hot babes in there with doctorates and blonde hair named Natasha with the Russian accent, now they have like an, an American chick. I don't, I don't and she, blah, she's not winning. They don't get it. No, they don't get it. And until they get it, this they'll never, they'll never make it. They won't have. Have the you impact. watched Tom Hartman on that thing? Yeah. Oh God, please. Did he have an operation or something? Yeah. For one thing, he's lost a lot of weight, and and apparently he can't read from a prompter because when he does, his <laughs> eyes bug out. <laughs> have you watched him? Yeah, I know. And he tries to hide it behind the glasses, but it's not fooling me. Yeah, his eyes get they, really yeah, big they and they bug out. bug out when he's trying to read from a prompter. This is what I call a bad habit. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, this uh, woman from Russia Today has Paul Craig Roberts on the show. Very long interview, of which I've only clipped a two-minute piece, but it's exactly the piece I wanted. came at the very end. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts was uh, a senior, I think it was a, an advisor in the Reagan administration. Do you know what he did? No, I don't remember him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's part of the elite, but I think he's kind of old now, and he's kind of on the sidelines, so he takes money from Russia Today. But he 
calls it. He not only calls Syria, he calls the reason why and then how and when we're going to do it, basically. Mediterranean, uh, one issue I want to brought up. You've written a, written a little bit about Syria, where there is some, uh, you know, protests and, and going on now. Do you think that the United States, Syria is much closer to a Libya as far as its relation to the United States than Egypt or other countries where we've seen protests, Bahrain, uh, Yemen. Do you think that Washington would get involved in Syria? I think that's the intention. You see, Syria uh, provides the Russian naval base in the Mediterranean. (laughs) Um, There it is. They have the Russian naval base in the Mediterranean. And, of course, for people who don't know, know, these northern African countries are kind of like, it's like southern Mediterranean. So, you know, so now we're going to have the whole area and we can't have a couple of Ruskies floating their boats there. That's a no, little the too Russians close. aren't going to put up with this one. Well, that's the question, of course, as our fine interviewer asks. How, so, how would it ever fly, though? Because Russia has a base in Syria. Russia would, I mean, it would never get past the U.N. Security Council, I don't think. Well, they won't necessarily go to the U.N. Security Council. <laughs> Who cares? Let's just go kick their ass. We yeah, they got freedom fighters. Yeah, got, they got freedom fighters. We have to arm them. They do. They would just act. Or they will say, oh, these terrible things are happening. We've got to save the Syrian people. <laughs> you, you know, who knows what they'll do? They'll do what they think they can get away with. And I don't, I can't predict that. But what, all I can observe is mm-hmm. that in the case of Syria and Libya, there have, there are these differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. If they can, mm-hmm. so, so if they can overthrow those countries, they can get, Russia out of the Mediterranean, and they can get China out of the Mediterranean, and that is probably a goal of the uh, people in Washington. So you have three big players, Russia, China, the United States, uh, that kind of could all be pitted against each other in these two countries. Do you think that this will escalate to a much larger issue between these three world powers? You see, you hear how horrible she is? She's, just, she's terrible, she, and she interrupts him at the wrong time. She's uh, a very poor interviewer. She, get rid of her. Uh, well, I'd like to, but I want to hear Paul Craig Roberts a little more. No, I could. mean, they that's, should fire yeah, her. I understand. Not you. Or teach her to act. It's a risk. That's, I think the Americans are being too aggressive, given the nature of the risk for miscalculation. Just, there is a risk. Just really quickly, what do you think it would take for, for there to be a tipping point? What would the U.S. do that would make that tipping point? Tipping point, if tipping they, point. They uh, push too hard. Shut up! You know, I don't know how China and Russia will view their national interest or what they would think is is threatening. I can't predict that because I'm not inside their minds. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the line, there has to be uh, a trip trip point where you push too far. And the Americans are full of hubris, Mm -hmm. arrogance, and uh, they don't mind using military power to extend their reach that's right i'm going to kick your ass take take your stuff i'm coming into your sandbox next okay well here's a here's my i'm going to give you my prediction if this i this is good okay so uh here's what i'm thinking now i know that the road to uh to iran is through syria and it was listed as one of the places that's going to be a problem it's called the path to persia yeah that's it what I say? The road to Iran? Yeah, the, the, That's a Bob the, Hope movie. <laughs> I'm thinking of. Is it really a Bob Hope movie? The road to Iran? <laughs> no. So anyway, no. So uh, there is something we want from Russia. 
Yeah, better hosts on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want from Russia. That's, there's something going on. There's a quid pro quo in the background. I mean, it's like, uh, mm. you know, many years later, it took us for it took us, you know, the Kennedy, uh, the great Kennedy uh, showdown in Cuba. Right. It took, I think, 20 years or 30 years before it was revealed that, you know, Kennedy's showdown is, you know, that almost brought us into World War Three. Right. Uh, was a quid pro quo that was not not discussed, which was they took. uh they took their missiles out. The Russians took their missiles out of Cuba, but we took out missiles, a bunch of missiles we had in Poland. In Turkey. Uh, Turkey, I think, was uh, Turkey. I think, I think this was Poland. I, I think, think, was, I think uh, Turkey as well. Well, well, there were some missiles that we removed. Whatever, some hardware. And uh, that was the deal. And I think there's something going on here. We have to just kind of do a little more deconstructing and figure out what it is. Because there's no way the Russians are going to you know, put up with this. The Chinese were interlopers, and they know it. They kind of snuck into Libya. They started doing deals, and the next thing you know, we rousted them. The Russians aren't interlopers. They've been in the area forever. So, right. uh, Well, are the Russians and the Chinese are, are doing business together now in oil yeah, in, in their own currency. They don't trust each other. They're not really good business right. partners. Uh, well, then what could it be? What could it be that we want from Russia? I don't know. More hot spies, better TV hosts. I don't uh, know. We, we will. I tell you what. I, I we'll figure it we out will, within the we next will. week or so. It'll be obvious because we're now that we're our no. You know, we're sniffing around. Yeah, there'll be some little news article that'll crop up. Ah, and and we'll go, oh, up. that's it. Okay, all right. So this is what we do on this little program of ours. This is why I get up at five thirty in the morning on show days, and I love it. And uh, you notice we weren't interrupted by a commercial during that. <clears throat> and we didn't run out of time. John, I'm sorry. We've got to run out of time. I can't finish this excellent piece of journalism. Adam, we've got to take a break right yeah, now. I can't, you know, we, we'll we're be right back to this topic. Yeah. In fact, we're going to move on with another topic right after this break. <laughs> Squirrel! Do we have any uh, producers helping us out for this show? Yeah, we got uh, uh, three executive producers, members of the 300 Club, and a couple of associates that we want to mention. Okay. Let's begin with... Uh, well, these are the people that help us uh, produce the show along with all the other donors and producers. Joseph Leeper, Perkin, uh, Peckin, 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 Illinois. Uh, he's Cordela in the chat room and on Cordella. Twitter. Has been, and he's been listening since early 2010, has decided to finally being stop being a boner and become a donor. Hey, hey. Hoping this gets me in the 300 Club. Well, it's the idea. And it's the first of my three knighthood payments. So he's made it 333.33, which means you, Adam, have to kick in the extra penny. That's right. No I'd problem. also like to request some karma to help me get off my rear end and find work. This uses <laughs> my brain. You've got karma. Yeah, if you're going to go to the knighthood, it might be handy. <laughs> Edward Beer Bear Thoisen. No, almost. Try it again. Edward Beer Thoisen. Beertausen. Beertausen. Mm-hmm. Beertausen. Edward Beertausen. Uh, guys, you're still doing a great job. Thank you. Please continue to do so for the next 300 episodes. Okay. I could use a bit of karma as I'm currently starting my own company. Oh, all right. It's always good to start your own company. You've got karma. Good luck there. Bad idea. Yeah. That's 300, another $300 donor to executive producer Jose, Jesse Cruz in Highland Park, Illinois. In the morning, John and Adam like to become a member of 300 Club. If you could please mention the gym I've been going to for the last couple of years, the newbreedchicago.com gym. It's fun and ego-free. 
It's a place to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, MMA, and strength and conditioning. We're going to need this guy somewhere yes. down this, the line. I hope he goes for the knighthood because you're right. We're going to need some protection. We need and some protection. This will be the guy. protection guy. We're like, hey, so, Jesse, 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 Jesse. You know, I got, you got some problems over here. There's a guy over here. Over here a guy who's like harassing me. <laughs> Good. Some global warming guy. So Hans-Jörg Schultz, oh, 281 he's, he's back. He's back. Hans York? Yeah, he was in last week. Yeah. Well, this I think is different. But no. 28195. Armin Breuer uh, in Vienna. Uh, $200. Hi, John and Adam. My slow way to knighthood. I thought I might be a good idea to leap forward for once instead of taking a baby step. So here's some cash. And while right. we're at it, please send me some karma. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your help. You've got karma. And he says it works all the time. All the time. So that's our group of executive producers for uh, show two... Uh, nine or six. Two two nine nine or oh, we six. only got four shows left, and we're going to be at show 300, people. That's right. This is That's the biggie. Do you know that we have been doing this show since 2007? Yeah, you keep saying that. It seems to be... It seems to... The, the number seems to be baffling to you. Yeah, it is baffling to me. Right. Because time flies. <laughs> when you're having fun, apparently. A couple of uh, quick uh, PR mentions... Uh, Got a registration for CurryAcrossAmerica.com, which is nice, uh, considering our um, our upcoming trip the second week of July. Still trying to figure out how to get the wheels for it. I've got some nice offers uh, on the email, one, and, and like really nice offers. Like The one that came closest, but I really just can't take them up on it. Uh, one of our listeners has a 35-foot RV, and uh, he's got a video of it and everything. The thing is beautiful. And, and you know, it, it's better. He's an ex-cop, ex-marine. Um, he's retired now and I'm like wow you know and he says you know the only caveat is he says I have to come along I have to drive you know I'll be great I'll do production work etc and, and I really really it's a lovely offer but I, I don't think that you know I just don't I don't get a, a picture really of me Mickey and the Marine <laughs> <laughs> I do <laughs> no this guy is amazing. You know, he I think he he left the Marines and then he became a cop when he was 49 and he had to retire because at a traffic stop he was hit 8 times by AK47 fire. I mean, these are the kind of guys that listen to our show and I love those guys. And he survived. And he's like Good. Yeah. But um I mean, we really need to just kind of it just has to be kind of the two of us otherwise I think it'll it'll be a very different type It'll of It'll be vibe. a group. It's a group dynamics change. Yeah, it does. But I, it's very lovely, and I really appreciate the offer. And uh, we're just looking for, uh, you know, we'll, we'll insure the thing. 35 uh, foot's a big one, if I'm not mistaken. That, yeah, it's, it, it was amazing. Really beautiful. It doesn't even have to be that big. No, that's pretty big. Yeah, but we're just, and that's, yeah. Anyway, so we're still looking for someone to hook us up with an RV. And uh, what are you looking at? You want the Marine now all of a sudden? Oh, you want to talk? But that way she figures that you'll be end up on the side of the road. <laughs> oh, she's 30 seconds behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be like, hey, wait a minute. Where's Mickey in the Marine? Where did they go? <laughs> I'll be like, John, John, I'm on the cell phone for the show today. <laughs> um, nice uh, forward to NoahGenderShow.com. Uh, BarronessAshton.com. That's up there with SeanHannity.com as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. BaronessAshton.com. So if you're looking for the elitist Baroness, you're coming to us. This one I couldn't believe was available. 
uh, particularly seeing the state of the industry, bestpodcastintheworld.com. How about oh, really? them apples? Yeah. That's pretty awesome, right? Oh, we have to put that one on our wiki page. And bestpodcastintheworld.com slash donate forwards to Dvorak.org slash NA. So this is kind of the new thing. Everyone's doing their custom domain name slash donate, and it goes to the uh, goes to uh, Dvorak.org slash NA. Our friends south of the border don't want to be left out. In celebration of the lack of good education in both Mexico and the USA, I got two misspelled domains. <laughs> This is from oh, yeah. Victor. Uh, uh, D, D douche without an E dot me and D douche without an E dot US. Two of my friends introduced me to the show a month back and now I'm a fan. I would like to get them D douched. I might as well do this while I'm at it. Their names are Julio Romero and Jenny Mendez. You've been de-douched. We listen from Tijuana, Mexico while we're waiting in line at the border to come to work at San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can get a whole show in. <laughs> or two, maybe. They, they're, they're the guys that want a third show a week. Political, yeah, I can imagine why. Politicalsockpuppets.com, also forwarding to noagendashow.com. By the way, I want to say ddouche.me is genius. Yeah, especially if it's the misspelled version for our, our Mexican friends. <laughs> Uh, and then I uh, just want to reiterate that the Pocket No Agenda app uh, has been upgraded. It now has Game Center support and all kinds of stuff. So you can like interact with other people while you're listening. Uh, the soundboard has been expanded. And uh, now uh, I, I, it has one for the DSC. I'm not quite sure how to work it yet. But now we have individual show alerts, bat signals uh, for the stream, noagendastream.com. Did an, another daily source code yesterday as part of our full-service package to the human resources. And there's also the No Agenda radio app, which I'd also like you to take a look at, showing the uh, PR section of the show notes, uh, which also has some uh, some interesting features. So that's uh, some PR mentions. And, of course, we thank our executive producers and 300 Club members, Joseph Leeper, Edward uh, Beerthausen, Jesse Cruz, and uh, our other two executive producers, Hans-Jörg Schultz and Armin Breuer, for uh, supporting the show. These are real credits, people, just like Hollywood, but unlike those phonies here, we'll actually vouch for you if anyone questions your credit for the show. Everyone else, propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. It'll get old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll get old. But it's a beauty. For now, it's, it's a great. big, giant uh, steel, but it's like tin-plated or something. I don't know. Hey, I think uh, the Congo may be off the map, by the way, for the pipeline. Why? I, we know we got Ashley Judd in there to be the celebrity uh, ambassador. Yeah, well, then why, it sounds like it's online to me. No, no, no. Did she quit? Looks like, no, it looks like Uganda is, uh, is going to play a part anyway. Mm. Uh, Uganda invites bid for oil pipeline, and uh, they've also blocked Facebook, Twitter, etc. Mm. I don't. It could also be that they're just trying it. You know, like, hey, man, like everyone's in on this groovy deal. <laughs> like, we got to be a part. Hey, let's turn off Facebook. I want some of that. You know, and they got no freedom fighters. That's what I'm waiting for. But the but the Uganda government is firing on protesters, so they 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 understand how to get <laughs> the attention. Is. Who isn't? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 
just like, hey, we want some uh, no-fly zone over here. Fire on some people. Just fire on them. <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally unbelievable what's, what's happening in the world. I love it. I love it because uh, what we do here for you on this show is at least you understand it. And then you don't feel I have, so bad. I have a couple of clips, curiously, about the Uganda debate. Oh, it's not curious and it's not coincidence. Well, I would play the Buanacom. That's that's one of the it's one of the it's a secret taping of the of the of the of the, uh, of the uh, negotiations with Uganda. Now, who's negotiating with who about what? Well, you'll hear when you hear it. Buanacom. Bomba. Keep your nerve, everybody. Tell him on the sea, Chief. Yumbo. <laughs> this is Tarzan. Buana, the heck is it? Abaka. Stay where you are and don't let them see that you're nervous. Wanna come. Wanna come. That's Tarzan, douchebag. Now we have the we have the, the breakdowns of the debates. Uh wanna <laughs> <one or> two. <laughs> This is really, really, really the worst thing you've ever done on the show. Tell the chief I've got the great white ape. Buana Vojenga. Chukobiongo Ivanatega. Chief said Buana no got white ape. He got white ape. Tell chief I make juju. Buana Kramo. She fu a juju. Indipo Mambo Yabi Baba. She said he make juju. Whoa. And that's the pipeline negotiation. Buana want juju. That was really, really, really bad, John. So I was watching this thing. This was the, from the movie Tarzan Escapes. Oh. And I realized that, you know, I was thinking, you know, Bill Cosby was go- is going out of his way to find all the original copies and destroy all the anything to do with Amos and Andy. Because Why? It's, oh, because, because it's, it's racist. racist. Oh, it's racist. This, right. The roots of American racism are in these Tarzan movies. Is, but is that what Bill Cosby is actually spending his time doing? Yeah, it's one of the main one of his main really? projects. Yeah, digging really? up all the it's the old radio shows. I mean, it's if we have we have know, to destroy. I mean, is he out? Is he insane? This man is he insane? I mean, if if you want to actually have something to point to, then you want to show this as like this is how bad it was. Is this man insane? I'm, I'm answering my own question. It's one of the things he's Jeez, doing. Jeez, Louise, that's unbelievable. The guy's insane. I got some other really fascinating clips. Uh, I have Joy Behar making the claim that <laughs> Dude, she... you cannot go from two Tarzans to a Joy Behar. That's just not okay. <laughs> she says she likes Obama, huh? So awful. I'm stunned by this, by the way. Really? Stunned, that I she likes you. Obama? Yeah, she likes Obama. Obama did it. I'm, the, the left was yelling at him. The right's yelling at him. Meanwhile, he got plenty of things done. He's a very good president. Don't yeah. you like him? I think he could be a better president. I don't dislike him, and I don't think you should run down the president like in a time of war, and we're always in a war. Ugh. Roseanne. Oh, I'm glad you picked up on that. Oh, Roseanne. All right. So it, Can you it, imagine Joy Behar and Roseanne Barr in the same? I mean, this is like... Scissoring? I'm surprised the thing didn't blow up. Hmm. Critical mass of... So I was watching uh, C-SPAN. <laughs> it's what we do, so you don't have to C-SPAN Hey, I was watching C-SPAN too. Well, I was watching C-SPAN and I, this very interesting program was announced and this is, uh, you know, what do you think our treasury is doing 
right now during this economic, financial Armageddon of a crisis with, of course, the reality show known as Will They Raise the Debt Ceiling? Looming. What do you think our Treasury is doing right now, John? Raising the debt ceiling. But first, this week on American Artifacts, C-SPAN visits the Treasury Building to learn about a $240 million restoration project and to visit several historic rooms, including the Gilded West Dome, the Cash Room, the office of the Secretary of the Treasury. The Gilded Cat, the Gilded Dome, John. <laughs> the Cash Room. The Cash Room. The Gilded Dome. We got $240 million yeah. to blow on this it's showpiece. It's a quarter of a billion dollars, people. A quarter of a billion dollars for the cash for the cash room. Yeah. Look at the cash. We, yeah, got, we got the cash room. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets yeah. and water. Just send your cash. So I think, I think that uh, Goldman Sachs is going down, Johnny boy. Oh, bull crap. Yes, I do, and I'll and I have a theory about this. I'm I'm all ears on this one. Okay, so. Uh, obviously, we have had just too many uh, awakened human resources going, <clears throat> hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here, something's fishy. Now, how come uh, no one went to jail? Do you see this all, and, and, the, and the reason... I know, it's a, it's a meme it's of a the meme, day. It's a meme, right. So the reason I pick up on it is like, okay, hold on a second. It started at the Academy Awards, by the way. It did. It started with the, um, the guy who made uh, Inside Job. Right. And he yelled that out, and they wanted to let, what is he talking about? And uh, but then people went home and went like, ah. and then, of course, the Ministry of Truth cranked up and uh, they start saying, hey, well, hmm, OK, so now it's everywhere. Everywhere you look, they're talking about, oh, we, we you know, oh, someone's got it. No one went to jail. The only guy was uh, Bertie Madoff. And oh, blah, blah, blah. so now this uh, report came out. This report is uh, the uh, Levin report. And the Levin report, uh, in that it basically says, <laughs> everyone lied, screwed, cheated, messed around, and uh, no one, uh, no one's going to jail. So now we have uh, this propagating throughout the media, and a couple, of, and just a couple of side notes, uh, just a couple of headlines. Goldman Sachs chief blank fine could face criminal prosecution for role in financial crisis. Um, Clooney producing Wall Street bailout pick. Hello, does that tell you anything? So there's a hit job coming. Uh, tell the Department of Justice, investigate Goldman Sachs. <clears throat> uh, Goldman, furious at being left out of Glencore IPO. This is where I went, oh, okay. Then we have on... Uh, That's the real punishment. <laughs> well, that's part of it, but someone has to go to jail, and I think it's going to be uh, blank fine. And uh, proof is in the pudding. As well, this isn't the same as Goldman going down. It's, they're going to isolate one or two guys and throw them in course, jail. Of course, of course, into some ritzy course, jail. I might add. Now, of course. But this is the meme is Goldman has to go down. By the way, I think it's probably Citibank who's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we help? How can we help? Because, you know, those guys are all competitors. Then we have um, Elliot Spitzer, who was in the movie, in the um, Inside Job movie, show up on uh, Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper's show. So now you know something's supposed to be communicated because Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper is talking about it, along with Matt Taibbi, the Rolling Stone reporter, who, as we know, is on the inside. Uh, We'll remember the whole McChrystal uh, uh, story. 
Yeah, no, he has to be. He, he's on the inside. He gets to do good work, and for some reason, yeah, he must have blown somebody somewhere. But he and, and sometimes you got to have a guy who just is really clean as a whistle. And uh, he, you know, he's a, a great reporter, and he does not get uh, thrown in the hot tub with the cover on. So right, and he's entertaining. He's very entertaining. They show up together to talk about this, and they and again another eight minute interview. But at the end, finally, <laughs> pay dirt. One of the articles you wrote, Matt, uh, and I don't, I don't want to quote it word for word because it was quite. Uh, oh, because I might have to say the f word, and I'm Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper, and I don't f. Um, well, descriptive, uh, but but it, just, it it was somebody saying that basically if one of these guys was sent to prison, that would stop these shenanigans from happening again. That it all that's really all it would take. Would somebody if somebody was held accountable, it would it would have a cooling effect. Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked to one guy who was a former SEC uh, investigator, and he, uh, and he said basically if you send start sending Lloyd Blankfein or one of those guys, put him in a, one of those guys. <laughs> Blanky baby, you better have a heart attack. As in a real maximum security prison for six months, this whole thing would be over uh, very quickly. The whole the whole situation would be cleared up. But the problem is, there's no incentive for these guys to change their behaviors because they never ever get punished. Not only do they not get punished, they get a bailout. And, I mean, and that's has, the has there been any change in regulation? I mean, is the regulation better now? Is the oversight look, better? Look, Dodd Frank made some improvements and it was better to have it than not have it but it doesn't change the simple fact that all you need is common law fraud on the books or or there as a theory shut up and get me some hookers elliot i don't care about what you're saying so there it is Uh, i think blank fine goes to jail it's viewed as goldman going down goldman gets bought goldman will get bought by someone no yeah, I think it will, and then it'll just you know it'll just go on its merry way. Nothing's going to change, but they need the it's there's a, an acute awareness uh, amongst the elite that they have to scapegoat somebody. They thought Bernie would be good enough, but he's too wacky now, right? And he stole from the rich, so that was that was his mistake. We need someone to go down, go down hard, and they're making this. I think Blank Fine is the guy. And why wouldn't they just assume Goldman Sachs is tainted? They, they, I think they would, they would assimilate it into something else. There's too many guys uh-uh. out there. Why not? No. Why not? It's just it's because they're the ones who do the. They're the they're the top dog. They're the ones who call the shots on this. They're the ones who are going to give up uh, blank. They're fine. going to give them up. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But blank fine. If someone's going to jail, it's going to be one guy, and it's going to be really. It's going to be played up really big. And Anderson well, Cooper, they, be, they named the name. I mean, yep. when Taibbi said the guy's name, it's uh, Blank Fine. So Blank Fine's got a target on his back. Obviously, he right. obviously did not play ball in some sense. I mean, this is all recent. Yeah. I mean, they could have targeted half a dozen guys, but, no, but this guy's name keeps cropping up. So he's got a target on his back. He's he is the target. It's when he said we're doing God's work. That's when the target got painted. He's the guy that said that. So he's the guy that's got to go. And then Anderson Cooper will get all the credit for keeping him honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping him honest here, everybody. Keeping him honest. That's me. That's me, Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper. Keeping him honest. Hey. Keeping him honest, Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper. Keeping him honest. All right. Yay. I got lots more like that, but I want to give some room. Nah, you might as well take the show over. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's okay, hard. well, I got some more stuff. I told you at the beginning <laughs> of the show, I got nothing. More Behar. Uh, no, I only had the one. That's the best Behar I could come up with. I got a good one from uh, Ron Paul. Had this, he was a little long-winded. He was giving, he's out on the stump running for president. And, of course, you listen to his speeches. He was up in New Hampshire. You listen to his speeches. The guy is makes, makes nothing but sense. 
the public that's... <laughs> I know. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> it's horrible. And they're all sitting there, all these people, a lot of college, young people, old people, everybody's got a great range of supporters. They're all loving him. This guy can't win anything because he's just obviously, the media, the whole system is against him. But he has one interesting little... He was doing a question and answer thing after one of his little talks. And I thought to blame the Fed one. He's got this idea... That everything's still, we're still away from a total real collapse. And he says, we've got to get it. This is the only way the Fed's ever going to be beaten. And he'll, you can play this in a second. The only way the Fed's ever going to be beaten, he says, for one thing, it's not going to be beaten. But when things start to fall apart, it's up to the public to, to intellectually blame them for everything until they finally are just shamed into dissolving, essentially. It's a kind of a long shot, but it's interesting to listen to this little clip. Thank you, Representative Paul. I have a question about the money going to Libya via the Federal Reserve. I was very disturbed when I read that on your Texas Straight Talk of, uh, last week. Why will no one at the Federal Reserve be held accountable for that? Because the Federal Reserve is a government unto itself. They're very, very powerful. And, uh, but they're also on the defensive, more so than they've ever been before. They've been able to do everything in secret. But fortunately for the two lawsuits uh, uh, by uh, C, uh, it was Bloomberg and Fox, that they did force some of the information out. And because we had a modification of my bill last year, we're getting some more information in July. Uh, it does fall on me with some of the responsibility, you know, in the committee to bring this to light. And we will do our very best. But uh, unfortunately, it's going to be very, very difficult. They are very powerful. And if you think about it, they, they have more economic political clout than the whole Congress. They, they spent $3.3 trillion on those bailouts, you know, and the Congress spent $850 billion, you know, and it's all done in secret. Yes, they should be held accountable. And uh, some of the stories coming out here on who's getting, who's gotten these loans, uh, they should be and hopefully they can be. But the odds of them really being held accountable, um, I'm, I, I wish I could be more optimistic. But the best way to hold them accountable is as this system falls apart, that we intellectually blame them. Uh, they've, they've had a free ride. They've always said that the... If the economy is doing well, the Fed has managed the money supply right, and the interest rates are exactly what they should be, and that's why we have a growing economy. But then the economy would turn down because of the Federal Reserve. Then the Fed would come in and say, well, what we need to do is print more money and rescue people who are in, a, you know, in trouble. And they generally got credit for getting us back out of the, out of the slump. But that's not going to happen anymore. They have to be blamed because they are responsible intellectually. The legal responsibility is another matter. I, uh, I, I think it, we should pursue that, but I'm not very optimistic that much will happen. Yeah, I mean, nor am I. Uh, yeah, well, he's at the head of the committee that oversees them yes, now, and he yes. and he knows that he can't do anything. I mean, he was like, you That's, know, big yeah. proof in the big in the talk, right big there. talk, and then oops, well, this is interesting. When he made the comment that they're bigger than the than the Congress, yeah, more powerful, so, more powerful, yeah, more powerful, yeah. yeah. Uh, then he know that he is up against you know you can't fight City Hall. I mean, it's it's impossible. But he's still beaten, uh, punching at him. 
Well, well, um, I read his book and the Fed, which is a real quick read. It's real nice. That's something for the No Agenda Book Club. If you've never read that, I know we've talked about it before. Um, I've sent it to several people, and they go like, "Ah, oh, that's that kook from Texas." I'm like, "No, thanks." Okay. You, people should be listening to this guy yeah. as opposed to calling him a kook. Yes. Uh, and so what he's referring to is the 46 emergency loans that the Federal Reserve made to the Arab Banking Corp during the uh, this uh, time of enormous crises. Yeah, not to mention the 200 million bucks we talked about last week in the Matt Taibbi story. The 200 million, one of the going to the Morgan Stanley women. Yeah, but see now that's a distraction. You know, it's like that's a, that's a distraction. It's but it's but and now it's a, the the Libyan freedom fighters are now looking for a $2 billion loan from the Fed. $2 billion. Yeah, because they have a central for bank what? now. So for what? So they can, well, I guess they, for freedom. it comes back to us. <laughs> for freedom. <laughs> what do you mean? Come, yeah, of course it comes back to us. It's for freedom, my friend. How dare you question freedom? You are so un-American, you. I can't believe that. Now, by the way, regarding Libya, I just wanted to play one thing from March 21st, 2011. That is now almost four weeks ago, almost one month, a word not used in this statement. It is U.S. policy that Gaddafi needs to go. But let me emphasize that we uh, anticipate this transition to take place in a matter of days and not a matter of weeks. Right. Thank you. Uh, and so uh, I would expect that, uh, you know, over the next several days, uh, we'll have more information. Yeah, more. Uh, and more the Pentagon will be fully briefing uh, the American people. And the slaves. Uh, as so well what's the date press. on that again? Uh, March 21st, 2011. That's, uh, so he said, he said not d- days, not weeks, but he certainly didn't mention months. Well, so it hasn't been a whole month Almost yet, a month. So. Almost a month. Okay, by, the next, by <laughs> this time next week, it will be over a month. And so we can revisit this in a few more weeks, and then we can try to determine what his definition of days, not weeks, is. <laughs> and the so word it's already is, been almost four weeks. Yeah. So that's seems well, to excuse me, me, Mr. President. How many uh, days old am I? <laughs> Jerk. Uh, so meanwhile, ooh, something very embarrassing for the United Nations cropped up. Little document. Um, now I understand. Remember in. Um, we read the two resolutions, 1970 and 1973. In the 1970 resolution, it says, uh, you know, we should uh, have the International Human Rights Council uh, do an investigation. And when they report back, then we'll decide, you know, how bad the slaughter of the civilians is. And the uh, human rights guy said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, we'll have it done in a couple of weeks, which in Obama speak means years. We'll have it done in a couple of, a couple of weeks. And uh, so they didn't wait for that report. Because that was like, uh, you know, how long do they wait, John? Eight days? Hey, wait, much, wait, yeah. no report? Okay, let's go in and bomb them. In January of this year of our Lord, 2011, uh, the council was just about to vote on a report that affirmed and praised Libya and Colonel Gaddafi for his human rights record. <laughs> the report states the Gaddafi government protected not only political rights, but also economic, educational, social, social, and cultural rights, and praised it for the nation's treatment of religious minorities and human rights training received by the security forces. This is a It two- must be a mistake. <laughs> a 2011 report linked in the show notes, noagendashow.com, right from the UN website. How inconvenient. Well, somebody screwed up. <laughs> they should have disappeared that report. 
That's unbelievable. Lies. Uh. All right. A little interlude, John? I'd like to put some bling in your fling. Can I do that? You might as well. When I know that I smell good, taste good, and look good, I feel fantastic. And Tajazzle's three-step system always makes me feel that way. Step one, Tajazzle scented body powder made from the finest all-natural ingredients. It's perfect for women and also for men. Brush it on your most intimate areas every day so you always stay dry and smell fresh when it gets hot. <coughs> Step two, Tajazzle flavor so I can be deliciously intimate. I put oh, on my kids. Where did you get this? This is a commercial for Tajazzle. We, we're getting into the payoff here. Delicious. So, what's step three? What's step three? Be patient. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Tajazzle is just so much fun. <laughs> Tajazzle is a three step personal confidence system. <laughs> and step three is where you put some bling in your fling. There you go. So, it's a Vajazzling kit. With fragrance and sweetness tasting. And this is being sold on television. Hey, I got this rhinestone stuck in my tooth. <laughs> I feel dirty after watching that. This yeah, is the problem. It, and so when I when I talk about, you know, the Federal Reserve with you, and I see this on television, I'm like, there's no hope. There's no hope whatsoever. We've already discussed this. There, just, there never was any. There's just no hope. The only reason we did, the reason that people listen to this show is because they're also in the same boat saying, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah what are we going to do? Well, at least you know. I mean, it's, it's kind of amusing. So you can, no, it's you know, As long as you're not amusing. in a room full of, of, of clones who right. you know, don't seem to get it, that it's all a bunch of bull crap, but, you know, whatever. So um, there was another presidential action that uh, puzzled me. Uh, and, and, and for some reason, I never see this reported, although it's like, you know the the web the White House has RSS feeds. It shows up. They have a uh, it shows up twice in my aggregator because I I subscribe to the presidential actions page and then also the White House press office. If you were reporting on the White House, if that was your beat, John, uh, wouldn't you like look at what they release? I would be probably glued <laughs> to that. Yeah. So they um the, the they released a memorandum about Section 315 of Title 32 of the United States Code. And you know I love it when I read something like that. I'm like, oh. This is your favorite stuff. This is my favorite yeah, stuff. I'll give like, you 10 for that. Yeah, Google, 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 what is this? So this was something that uh, uh, Dictator Bush put into place uh, by presidential order um, allowing, this is really quite crazy, Army and Air Force personnel to be deployed anywhere as national guardsmen oh that's interesting i like that no i don't like it that much because well, no, i mean i like the fact <laughs> you discovered it because what it says is that because we have all these you know things you can't do in this country with our military like posse commentatus but you can do certain things with the national guard you can't do uh or you can right. that you can't do with the military so you right. just say hey it's just a matter of definition you, you, you Marine guy, you're now National Guard. That's right. And it's without uh, uh, disregard for his rank or for his pay scale. Now, this was already permissible. I didn't know this, but I think uh, uh, before George W. Obama came out with this memorandum, Dictator Bush 
uh, Herr Bush came out with this idea, but now George W. Obama has trans uh, has changed this Section 315, Title 32, so that it no longer is by presidential order, but at the discretion of the Secretary of Defense. This is concerning. So now, oh, this is this. I know why. This is obvious. This is one typical Obama. He this way he doesn't have to take the heat. Well, obviously, he so he doesn't have to say, "Yep, it's okay, go ahead." I called our troops down to the streets because there were freedom. I mean, rebels. I mean, uh, anarchists. So he doesn't want to have to say that. So just like, hey, uh, Bob, Bill Gates, whatever your name is. By the way, it's going to be a new guy any day now. So who's the new guy that's going to have this awesome power? I think they should move Napolitano to that job. Yeah, that would be a new guy for sure. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, you, you're terrible. But uh, that that disturbed me somewhat. Yeah, it's disturbing. Is it? And of course, where is is anybody bitching and moaning about this? Does anybody even know about it? Does anybody complain about it? But the two of us. Let me check. No, <laughs> no. You think somebody from the mainstream media, yeah. or even the less than mainstream media, yeah. you think Tom Hartman even? Tom, yeah, he should be all over it. Yeah, he should, but he's too bug-eyed. <sighs> Trying to read what they tell him to read. Now he's, you know, the, his his overlords at Russia today are telling him what to do. <laughs> his overlords. I don't, you know, he's probably freaking out saying, where's all the hot chicks at this news channel? I got the wrong news yeah, channel. I to go to a news I'm channel the wrong the news channel. This is There's bad. There's nothing here, just a bunch of babushkas. I, I would even work at like a CNN or a Fox just for, just for no money. Just let me hang out with the chicks. Oops. I hope she did have that. Yeah. Here she comes around. Yeah. Now she bang right at the back of the head. <laughs> so uh, actually, CNBC's got some interesting women too. So okay, let's get back to the show. All right. So uh, uh, I think this was the most emailed story and clip of the week, John. I don't. Know if, uh, I don't see it on your list. Uh, you probably were sure I was going to get a hold of it. The shut up slave moment of the week, courtesy of CNN. <laughs> If you get upset at airport security, you might want to watch how you show it. Because behavior detection officers deployed at the nation's airports to ferret out security. Which is BDO, by the way. Just so you know. I want to be one of those guys. I think I'm going to quit this job and become a behavior detective officer. Well, you could get promoted immediately by, you, you got a big one. You can, you can catch me. And you, you know, be like, yeah. a few, hey, that's Curry. I know him when I see him. I've been watching him for four Pull years. Four years over. I've been watching that guy. Bodies, cavity search. Are on the lookout for, among other things. John, if you want to search my cavity, all you have to do is ask, honey. It's not a problem. Things. Anyone who displays arrogance and verbally expresses contempt for the screening process, according to information obtained by CNN. Civil liberties <laughs> obtained by CNN. It's like, brr, brr. ah, this is Lucy. I need a piece on our BDOs because, you know, I don't want to give them a raise. They need some profile. Sure. What do you want us to say? Uh, just say they're watching everybody. Okay. Groups say it is absurd that the exercise of free speech should be considered suspicious. If you complain about the government, that's justification for the government doing more intensive scrutiny of your uh, behavior. I mean, it seems, uh, you know, just so uh, anti-American. Terrorism experts also question whether Terror it's useful. Squirrel. 
They say terrorists usually try to blend in, keep a low profile, because they don't want to draw attention to their activities. Challenging airport security would have precisely the opposite effect. This idea that a terrorist would be very arrogant Squirrel. and express contempt uh, for airport procedures, that doesn't make any sense to me from a common sense point of view and also from the record of what is known about behaviors of al-Qaeda terrorists. But the immigration agent who stopped the so-called 20th 9-11 hijacker from entering the U.S. did use arrogant to describe Mohammed al-Qahtani. Upon establishing eye contact, he exhibited body language that appeared arrogant. How did they like this guy into the country is my question. <laughs> he appeared to have, he appeared arrogant. You, you only had to appear arrogant? Like, yeah, that's right. That's all it takes. But you that's know, why I, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. I was thinking you when you go through I always go through these things with a blank state with kind of a blank <laughs> zombie. Dumb look. You can look like a zombie. Yeah, you go through looking like yeah. a zombie and you you know, you when somebody tells you to do something stupid, you give them a zombie look. What? And you go uh, and then you uh, do it and uh, then you uh yeah, don't yeah, and be then too you, friendly then at the either. very end, by the way, I always do this. The very end you get all the stuff because you got all these bins. <laughs> and so you got a bunch of bins come through, so you just take your sweet time. About putting your jacket on, finding your shoes, putting your, you know, do everything so you don't, otherwise you'll lose something. Yeah. And just, you know, so what? Oh, you mean at the end after it's all gone through? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do that too. Because then I'm through and I figure, uh, okay. You know the thing that I hate the most, what really, really, really annoys me? If you put your laptop, now I have a power book, uh, and it must have something to do with the power book and the plastic uh, bins. Yeah, I always get static electric shock when I when I pick up my laptop. Oh, really? I've never gotten that. Oh ever. my! Well, you don't have a, a Mac. You got like plastic stuff. Uh, magnesium. <laughs> I have a magnesium device. Does anyone else ever have this? Because it really it, it's always I don't, I don't and it's like not a small. It's like patch, like one of those really like the spark. Well, you're gonna ruin up. that laptop when yeah. you can't get static going through those things. Yeah, it's getting. I, I don't know. I think it's the bin. The bin has something to do with it. The plastic bin. Maybe it's your airport. Does this happen everywhere? I've never had that happen. It happens so often that I've now, you know how if, if it's one of those static days where like you're very conscious of it and you like, you, you want to go open uh, the door and you go like, you know, hit it really hard or like really fast because you don't want to get that, sh that start. It's startled more than shock. I now do that every single time with my laptop because I know that I have a 90% chance I'm going to get a static charge from it. Huh. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway, this of course is not about, this is not. Anything other than promotion for the new show. If you see something, say something. If you see something, say something is brought to you by Lucy Napolopano and the Department of Homeland Security. Enjoy the show. If you see something, say something. Yeah, maybe. It could be. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great show. So I've been digging here on the machine trying to find a uh, reference to... Um, this guy wrote this book. I was watching C-SPAN and book TV on the weekend, of course, is quite entertaining because all these book authors who seem to do more work than reporters do. And so you get a lot of good information. But I didn't realize this one. I don't have the author's name or his book. Sorry. Oh, but he's a progressive. Just to show you, I have some balance here with my clips. I, you know, we take from the right wing, the left wing, the middle, the you know, and the libertarians. As long as they're a douchebag, we'll clip them. And, uh, but this guy has an interesting, how many, you, this, this was just an interesting question somebody asked him, uh, about T-bill ownership. And I didn't realize 
these numbers, these percentages. Now, what is a T-bill, John? You have to the explain treasury the Treasury bill. This is what finances the, our government. So this the is what, what China owns. These are owns. things that the China owns, right. that Japanese buy, we buy, you have one, and uh, somewhere. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm buying T bills. And here, just just play the who owns the T bills because I don't think the public generally knows this. This guy's got a book on. I don't have the title. Maybe the chat room can dig it up. It's about it's like the 13 th- economic facts you don't know or some some title like that. Although I couldn't find it on Amazon, so um, so it's obviously titled something else. But but it, it, it stands alone nicely. What about the right wing uh, chicken little narrative involving? Is, is that a racial slur? Yeah, this is when you get a group of progressives in a room. They're the mean. I mean, you don't see this from the right winger so much, but you sure see it from the progressive, the progressive uh, branch of the of the Democrat Party, the, the uh, uh, ultra liberals. They are mean spirited. They think all the Tea Party people are just racist pigs. And what is it? What really- is it? We have people, as you can see from our producers from all over Gitmo Nation. Explain Chicken Little reference. Oh, that's a good point. Chicken Little is a is a is a child's um, a nursery rhyme or a story fable about a little chicken that keeps running around, fe- saying that the sky is falling because it you know drop of a hailstone hit him or something, and he's just worried, sick about everything, and he's just a, he becomes a, a fretting lunatic uh, in a short form, and that's called a Chicken Little. What about the right wing uh, Chicken Little narrative involving who owns? our T-bills, and and, and China, of course, being a big investor uh, in this kind of abstraction called treasury bills, and and this nervousness that uh, has been enunciated that if we do something that upsets this country or that country, uh, we will completely go to hell in a handbasket because suddenly uh, uh, the debt... How many more uh, of these does she pull out? Chicken Little, hell in a handbasket. Uh, has she done by and large yet? This woman is horrible. That, I, I think this woman is uh, scripted. I think this whole, the, this question and answer thing, I cut a bunch of this out, by the way. Really? Oh, my God. Because the guy actually says, oh, I love this audience because they're asking the exact same questions I like to answer, which is, <laughs> duh, <laughs> winning. So anyway, so uh, she wraps it up here, and he starts to answer. It's kind of interesting to me the, the numbers he, he pulls out. This will be called in. I don't know why it is that this that this idea that China owns so much of our debt has become so prevalent. But the reality is they're holding 9.6% of our public debt. 9.6. Yeah, I actually knew this, John. I knew that. I, 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 it's, it, it's, a, it's just a whole bad guy thing. American households and institutions own 42%. Right. More than four times the amount. Um, it's an odd kind of thing. I think part of it is... Um, Screw the China man. I don't know why this is so prevalent. I, I'm not sure that that's it's, it's an ideological thing. It seems to be that I, I meet everybody, everybody I meet, whatever their political persuasion, also seems to think China holds this huge uh, sword over our head, and we if we need to do, we need to let you know, I don't know, Walmart go there and do what we can't can't make china angry because oh no um but more than four <laughs> times the amount is held i like him 
I like him too. But I like the oh no. Oh no, thing. I, I like him. He's like you know, he, with a little work, he could do the show. You know, he needs a little. He needs to get on a little more. I think he's also bi curious, like me. That's kind of good. By U.S. individuals and institutions, a very big chunk of it is held in the Social Security Trust Fund. Now, this is one of the more pernicious lies that I think in my book the Social Security Trust Fund is a huge pile of treasury bills. A huge pile of treasury bills. According to the law of the United States of America the Social Security Administration's finances cannot be used to either um, influence the, the surplus or deficit of the U.S. federal government's budget. Wait a minute. What? Let me just hear that again. What did he say exactly? According to the law, the social he claims Se- he says that the Social Security Administration has these T bills, right? About four trillion dollars worth, and it's accumulating interest. I mean, some of the interest payments are going to that, which is one of the reasons I think there's something fishy going on. If anything, if the, if what he says is accurate, and I believe it to be, uh, but he, he says that this is, most of this information we're getting is bogus. That, oh, you know, the social, there's no money, they're broke, uh, you know, it's all been folded into the budget, and that's just the way it is, and it, it's all bullcrap, according to him, as he plays this out, but it's actually interesting when he actually does the math on it, and it looks like Social Security is going to be around forever, um, which I've heard from other people. And so it's like, you know, I don't know why they're, why we're, we're hearing a, a kind of a, a, a fake scenario about uh, Social Security. I think a lot of it was they figured, well, look, they have, they have $4 trillion. If we can just change the law, privatize Social Security, that'll throw $4 trillion into our bank account because we get to take that money now. We get to steal the money from Social Security, which we'll tell everyone is broke. And that'll balance the budget. We can spend more money on hookers and blow. And meanwhile, the public can screw themselves because they don't know how to manage money anyway, but let them. John, uh, my head just exploded from what you said. <laughs> it's like, wow. All right, let's, let's just listen to this. I, I'm, uh, I'm flabbergasted. Finances cannot be used to either um, influence the, the surplus or deficit of the U.S. federal government's oh, okay. budget. By law, they are distinct. By law. So you have this huge pile of cash, $2.6 trillion. It's earning so much interest that even after we start drawing it down, you hear so much about this date, oh, we're going to start drawing it down. Even after we draw it down, start drawing it down, the interest payments are such that it will incre- continue to increase in size until it hits $4.2 trillion with a T. And I hear people who are so brazen as to assault this incredibly secure and popular retirement program by saying these are worthless IOUs, which is just stunning, because I want you to just think about this. Those worthless IOUs are $2.6 trillion in T-bills out of $14 trillion in total. So that means that if they're worthless, so are the 9.6% held by China, and so are the 42% held in your 401ks, in pension funds, etc., etc. They're not worthless IOUs. What they are is they're the safest investment on planet Earth. Ah! That's what they are. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me get this straight. So, first of all, 
His last name has got to be uh, Geithner or something like that. It's obvious the guy is a shill for the Fed. Um, and he's, he's, wow, this is unbelievable. It's the most secure investment on earth. No, my gold, how, how little I, of it ha- I have left is the securest investment on earth. This guy well, is long, he's a douchebag. Hold on. Douchebag. No, I understand what his point is. You can't say it's worthless IOUs without saying the debt to China is a worthless IOU. Or the or the T bills that the American yeah, you'd have public to say holds. Everything's yeah. a worthless well, IOU. Well, guess what? It's all a worthless IOU. That's what I'm going to say. It's all worthless. It's a bunch of paper. It's a bunch of hooey circling around as, like a turd in a toilet. It's all worthless. That's what I'll say. Sure, that guy's just not saying it. He's saying, "No, oh, it's the most secure on earth." Please. Well, for paper, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's only a little thicker than the paper I wipe my behind with. Yeah, well, give me a billion dollars worth of this worthless stuff. Then really, you, you're so you're, you're older than I am, and you still care that much about money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Yeah. Okay. No. I've so uh, no, I've I've I took a vow to poverty when we yeah. started the show. Yeah. And and so far so good. Yeah, and then when we don't get to donate, when our producers don't pr- help us out, then you're depressed for a week. So why is that? No, I wasn't depressed because of that. So let's go. Uh, let's go back to this guy. The uh, fact of the matter is, we're being led down a primrose path of bull crap mm-hmm. when it comes to the Social Security situation. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, what can I say? <laughs> Nothing. I just thought that people could use the information. I don't know what to say. That was that was good because it was like, what? Really? Unbelievable. Let's uh we haven't done this in a while, John. There's some important things going on. And now back to real news. Just when you thought that uh Lucy Napolitano with her uh, brand new reality show something, something. That that was everything. Oh no, oh no. Condoleezza Rice will make her acting debut on 30 Rock. Huh. And, even better, she will be Alec Baldwin's love interest. Those guys at NBC. How's she going to do Alec Alec Baldwin when when Alec Baldwin's obviously having this uh, baby with this other blonde hottie? Well, I don't know if she's playing herself. Or uh, or if she's acting. <laughs> She'll be playing herself. She must be playing it. herself. And he's going to get all hot and bothered for her. These guys will stop at nothing. <laughs> NBC. That's what you do. That's how you promote a show. Und- which, I, yeah, the irony, right. of course, is that Baldwin's a left-wing lunatic, and she's like, you know, from the right. Tina Fey, the show's star and creator, made the announcement yesterday on NPR's Leonard Lopate show. Yeah, the hotbed of promotional activity, that there. <laughs> really? I never even heard of this show. <laughs> Good job, Tina. And uh, Paris Hilton, going to star in her own new reality series, <clears throat> where she's going to show a different side of Paris. <laughs> the real Paris Hilton now, apparently, we're going to see. <laughs> I loves me some jokes. And that's real news that I have. I do have some vaccine news. <clears throat> this is, uh, it's getting, it's been getting really crazy. And I just want to reiterate for people who are new to the show that uh, vaccines are the healthcare bonanza. Everything's running out of patent. Every medicine, even Viagra, well, especially Viagra, 
um, uh, Lipitor, all the stuff that uh, has been protected for years. And after our donation segment, I want to come back to the protect- protectionism of patents and copyrights because there's something going on with that as well. Uh, but vaccines are great because they don't have to go through rigorous testing like everything else. It's a, this, this is the, the bonanza. All the companies <laughs> have predicted this to be their future income. Uh, you're actually giving it to people who aren't sick, which is even better. So someone doesn't need any other, you know, any other, just a shot, right? Of whatever it is. And uh, the companies can't get sued. This is the greatest thing about it is uh, deals were made between governments who, by the way, purchase many of these vaccines that sit idly until they go to waste and pass their due date. And uh, it, it's just, it, it, I mean, John. Then, it, usually, then they usually dump them on some African country so they don't completely right. lose oh, their no, ass. No, no, there's, no. There's always an extra Benny at the end here. So now the United States has jumped into a, a plan, a global vaccine sharing deal. And this is a, it's kind of like a timeshare. So now it's got, they're so brazen, virus samples will be shared globally in exchange for vaccines produced from them under a landmark deal to improve, to improve preparedness for a flu pandemic, according to diplomats at the World Health Organization. So if I understand, and they have a framework agreement now, uh, the, indus- the industry has pledged to, quote, donate drugs and know-how, covering half of the $58 million annual cost of boosting defenses in the poorest nations. So essentially, we will continue to give you guys the really big contracts if you give some of that surplus crap to poor people. And now it's official. It's an official deal. Well, that's fascinating. You need to know this stuff. Glaxo uh, Smith Klein, one of the makers of Pandemics, uh, yeah, Pan- Pandemics. I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing it. Pandemics. This is the uh, vaccine that has been linked to kids uh, contracting narcolepsy in uh, Finland. Finland really broke the story. Now it's turning up everywhere. Of course, you're not reading that in mainstream press, press because, well, look at the commercials. It's the drug companies who are sponsoring. Uh, all of your media, so that's why it's not really showing up. And uh, so this is obviously a big problem. You know, my gosh, uh, it seems like the swine flu vaccine pandemics has been causing uh, at least uh, lots of kids, not everybody, but lots of kids, 247 cases in 47 countries, narcolepsy. So what uh, has the government agreed with GlaxoSmithKline? Probably not to sue GlaxoSmithKline for anything. No, they already can't do that. They can't oh, well, be sued. I don't know what they... They agreed to give more drugs. We want everybody falling asleep. No, they've recommended changes to the product label. <laughs> uh, May cause narcolepsy. Is <laughs> what they're going to put on the label. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know anybody... When's the last time you had a vaccine where somebody handed you the bottle and said, would you like to read the label? Right. No, of course. When's the not. last time you ever read a label of a vaccine bottle? No, I don't. T- I don't take vaccines. Well, I mean, if you did, have you ever seen anyone get a vaccine? Have you ever noticed how the process works? Do you ever look at the bottle? No, of course not. Do you pick it off the shelf at a drugstore, bring it to the doctor, and say, "This is the one I want"? No, I think this is more just about a legal thing. It's like, you know, yeah, just slap it. Crap. Yeah, just put it on the label. Oh, okay. Yeah, done. Could cause narcolepsy. 
Oops. They should make you sign a waiver. That's what they should do. Uh, that's probably. Uh, I think that happens. I'm sure you have to sign, sign a waiver when you, if you get a vaccination these days. No. Just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure you do. For people, just, yeah. I'm sure you have to sign something that in fine print says, "Dude, have you ever been to the doctor recently?" The minute you you sign up for a doctor, dude, dude, <laughs> dude. The minute you you sign up for the doctor, you sign everything away. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Vaccine exemptions likely to be more difficult soon. Uh, new bill. You know, parents have been trying to get out of these uh, mandatory vaccines for their kids. And it uh, looks like that's not going to be possible anymore. I think it's time to take a break. Okay, let's do that then. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. A warning, donating to No Agenda may cause narcolepsy. Hopefully it doesn't. We do have a few people to thank for this week's uh, episode. James Murray in Houston, Texas, $155.55. Always a great show. Uh, Would like a birthday call. We got that listed. Uh, And Cole has used No Agenda topics for a couple of school essays, and the teachers are not happy. Really? Yeah. They should be delighted. I would think, but the teachers, well, actually, I have a clip. Mm. Uh, uh, we might as well interrupt the thank wow. yous and play this. Play the uh, school stories. It's a book. Uh, uh, the old uh, lady, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who's actually I find more interesting than ever, uh, with a partner of hers, wrote a book called The Flip Side of Feminism. And you can play the school stories thing. I think this may be part of the problem. If that setup was worthless, what the hell? I don't care about who the author is sleeping with. In order for men to be a certain way. And now with feminism, we are not promoting that anymore. So now men are not growing up. It's really very simple, but it didn't come out in the article. Well, I would add to that the domination that women have, feminists have, in the educational system. And it starts in the elementary grades, uh, which are mostly run by women and now largely feminists because of the power of the teachers' union. And uh, your typical, not all, but your typical uh, elementary school teacher looks upon unruly boys as as just unruly girls and they need to be made to behave like girls and they need to sit still and do the little the work with a pen and pencil uh, that uh, girls can do very easily and unfortunately a lot of new schools are being built without playgrounds and recess is being canceled in a lot of schools now this is a direct attack on the boys who've got to go out and run around and beat each other up so they can come in and learn something <laughs> and, and the, the feminists won't tolerate that because they have this insane idea that boys and girls are the same. And I've already mentioned the whole problem of sports. They're trying to take uh, sports away. So the colleges are now 60-40 female-male. Well, nobody likes this. The girls don't like it, but they, they've done it. Uh, the feminists have done it. Wow. Yeah. Just, to, just don't send your kid to school at all. It's like prison <laughs> That's camp. That's what I say. It's I like a concentration camp. Hey, hold on. Hey, this is unbelievable. Just take your medicine. Just take your meds, slave. That's all I need, some meds. So, Cole, well, actually, that's there's a point to that meds thing. The kids are running around. I'll just give them Ritalin. Yeah, give them some meds. You don't, Don't give them recess. Give them some meds. 
I yeah. like I like this woman. Like boys need to go run around and beat each other up. Yeah, that's right. That's what we do. So Cole needs some karma. Yeah, he needs a lot of it apparently. You've got karma. Feel really bad for Cole. Yeah, geez. Well, but you can keep trying. Actually, what you should do is just write the uh, write satires. In other words, take the opposite side of what he knows to be right and write it up as though that's right and see how far he gets. Jeff Juniper, white Wait, wait a minute. Friends. That's your entire philosophy. That's you. Don't tell oh. the kid to do what you do. <laughs> Jeff Juniper, White Horse Yukon, Canada. That's out there. I sold some silver since it's crazy high, and Yay. I thought I'd share the love. Thank you. Keep keep up the great work, guys. As much appreciated. Could use some karma too. Been a long winter. You've got karma. I hear you on the winner, Jeff. One hundred fifty-five dollars and thirty-three cents from Jeff Juniper. He, uh, Heather Aronson, San Francisco, San Francisco, which there is right across is. the head. I'm waving at her now. Hi, boys. Here's my birthday formula donation for my April sixteenth birthday. Throw me some birthday karma and call Taylor out as a douchebag. Douchebag. In the most loving way possible, <laughs> I guess. They- <laughs> yeah, I heart you. She You've says. You've got karma. He's been listening to. And not donating. No, that's not okay. And we got a couple of hugs and kisses from Heather. Todd Sinclair, Jerseyville, Illinois, 6767, uh, current $5 a month, blah, blah, blah. I haven't assassinated my subscription yet. I purchased the following domains, and I think you have, do you have these on no, there? No, I didn't have this one. Okay, well, he's got... Uh, uh, highway direct- highway 80potholes.com yes highway 80potholes.com <laughs> and there's I'll document potholes and I'll send him the, the video no you should do something with the domain name put it on the on the domain that's good yeah maybe I should um, that's a great idea for a domain name uh, mon monscamto monscamto <laughs> monscamto okay put that into the bullshit filter guys monscamto which, and by the he way, needs a, he needs a shot of karma yeah, also. Of course he does. You've got karma. The No Agenda BS filter is going multilingual. He gave a 6767 because he's on he's off of Highway 67, which is all full of potholes tool, I'm sure. John Martinez, Gilroy, California, sharing some tax refund. We recommend everyone who has a tax refund to help us out. 5555, Peter Dobson, Port Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Also 5555, Maxwell Robertson, Crown Point, Indiana. Glad to see Gaddafi's antics have been great for the show. We should do something crazy so we can get some better material. I'd like to give some karma out to... Grant Sprinman and Melissa Myers, who got married Saturday. Congratulations. Oh, isn't that nice? He wants some karma for them. You've got karma. Anybody also wants to douche out uh, David Swanson for being a douchebag by douche supporting bag. trains. Really? He's, he's yeah, trains over planes. I don't know why. Who would? 50 double nickels on the dime from Maxwell. Alexander Munros. Uh, 5011 in the morning from a college student, another college student helping us out to graduate with a theology degree. I've been investing in silver and gold when the prices were $11 an ounce for silver and under $700 for gold. I made good money. Here's $50.11. Can I get a de-douching and karma? He needs a double. Oh, a double shot. <laughs> You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Tight. He needs a job. Yes, he, he will need a job, yeah. Yeah, well, uh-huh. and uh, finally, uh, oh, well, hold on a second. This thing just jumped the sh- 
Uh, he also had jumped the, around. Jason Dozier in Kansas City, Missouri, and finally Tommy Ida in Trondheim, Norway. I love the show. There's nothing wrong with Adam singing. Really, I, I recently passed my diverse test. Driver's test says diverse test. No, it doesn't. Okay, driver's tested, but it's all one word. And won some cash betting on football. That's good. The European version of it, of course, which we call soccer. So I decided to donate some of this fantastic, some to the fantastic show. He's another student, doesn't have a job, but would donate more if he could. Need some karma so I can find some work for the summer. Thanks for the show. You can read the rest of the note. Stay cranky, John. <laughs> You've got karma. Trondheim, Norway. Trondheim. Another place we got to visit. We got to go to Norway. I still want to visit these United States of Gitmo Nation. Yeah, you know, you need to get your. Uh, I need an RV. I need, I need a go kart. I need a go kart. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, supporting the show. As uh, we have mentioned ad nauseum, but we never can mention it enough. It is the only model we adhere to. Uh, it's completely open source. You can take anything you want from the show, spread it anywhere. Please don't email us. It, can I say, can I copy that? No, please. Yes. Yeah. In fact, if you want to copy the show and put it on your website, just to put do a it. link. Just do it. Do it. We recommend people distribute the show for us. I mean, we distribute it, but you can't, doesn't hurt to be on your website. No, it can be anywhere. Any, and the logos are likenesses within reason. But anyway, you can go to Dvorak.org slash NA, but also uh, channel Dvorak.com slash NA if you have some difficulties, which is a little more easy to get, or it's, it's got not blocked. And uh, noagendashow.com has a link, and also noagendanation.com slash donate would be good. And of course, there's always shutupslave.com slash donate and seanhannity.com slash donate. Dvorak.org slash NA. So we have uh, Cole Murray turning 15 on uh, the 19th. That would be uh, the day after tax day. So that's the Tuesday. That's uh, courtesy of James Murray. And Heather Aronson uh, celebrates uh, her birthday. And, of course, we never care to know how old our uh, female listeners are. As long as they're listening, that's the most important thing. Uh, her birthday was uh, yesterday on the 16th. Happy birthday from all of the producers here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. Excellent. So, um, there was another thing that, uh, there was a couple of things actually that I, remember the, um, the New Zealand, uh, three strikes are outlaw. They got rammed through on these poor, uh, Gitmo nation, Kiwi people who, um, you know, just getting over this earthquake. Yeah, yeah you, it was pretty you, sneaky. Yeah, can you remember that far back, like the whole show ago? Not really. I'm, I, I can only remember what happened le- yesterday afternoon. So another clip shows up from uh, from this uh, this so-called debate they had, and this is uh. yeah, this is Claire Curran, and she is a lawmaker there. And I'm not quite sure how everything works in Parliament there. They're rowdy though. I like it. They're kind of like the Brits. They they go uh. someone's talking like uh. just some guy. Yeah, you know, maybe he just doesn't know where he is. Some the Canadians like, do the same thing. Only <laughs> yeah, they, they get do. really nasty. Well, it's all you know. It's all owned by the Queen, so that's why. And you suck, they like to yell. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like old guys just waking up going, oh, <laughs> where am I? Um, and she 
came out with some really interesting information that pertains to the United States that I did not know and what turns out we're not supposed to know. I refer, Mr. Speaker, to the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Now, have you heard of this, John? The Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement? No. No, good. A free trade agreement of sorts currently under negotiation between New Zealand and eight other countries, including the US. It's an attack on our sovereignty, and what it currently contains in relation to intellectual property issues is truly frightening. Leaked texts of the IP chapter reveal that if it was accepted in its present form and if New Zealand signed up, then the legislation would be chicken feed um, in comparison. And this is the next battleground for intellectual property in New Zealand and we all need to unite around it. Auckland-based IP lawyer Rick Shearer has written about this recently. He said, quote, The return of Section 92A guilt on accusation, repeat infringer, termination of internet accounts, three strikes. The US wants us to effectively scrap the last three years of consultation around the replacement of Section 92A and the reasonably balanced but still not perfect approach we are working towards in the copyright infringing file sharing amendment bill. Imagine you're an ISP who has had to bear the cost of gearing up for that regime. All right, now she goes kind of off the rails. She's like, ISP, who, who gives a crap? So I go look at this Trans-Pacific Partnership deal, which indeed is marked um, uh, confidential. And it, may, and it actually says this may be emailed, but it may not be uh, sent to press, etc. So, of course, that means, you know, it, it's kind of secret. The whole thing, John, is... Wait, hold on. You mean it actually says it can't be sent to the press? Yeah, let me. you want me to bring it up? The press isn't all over this. <laughs> Are you kidding me? With, with Lucy Napolitano's show coming out? We have other important things to tend to, sir. I hope you realize that. Yeah, I, can, I can bring it up for you if you want. Uh, I can, I'm looking at it now. It's... Uh, this document contains TPP confidential information, modified handling, authorized... Uh, four years from entry, this document must be protected from unauthorized disclosures, but may be mailed or transmitted over unclassified email or fax, discussed over unsecured phone lines and stored on unclassified computer systems. It must be stored in a locked or secured building, room, or container. Why? <laughs> because if you actually knew what was in this, you would freak out. This is all about evergreening. This is the main thing here. And this is why they got to do this quiet. This is a was obtained February 10th, 2011. This is, so when you talk about copyright, everyone's like, it's copyright and patents, or as they would say in uh, the Queen's English, patents. And, um, but it's kind of, everyone, the red herring is the copyright. So let's make a lot of noise about, oh, copyright, file sharing, ISPs, blah, blah, blah. But what it truly is about is evergreening copyrights, so uh, if a publisher owns the copyright to your book for a certain amount of time, um, regardless of whatever the hell you think you've got, Mr. Dvorak, it's going to be evergreen forever. So intellectual, nothing will ever go into the public domain. It'll be owned by Hollywood forever. That's just to get the media on board for the true purpose, which is evergreening of patents, of medicines, uh, genetically modified organisms. They yeah. will own stuff forever. Where's the language in there that that says any of this? <sighs> okay, I didn't highlight it for the purposes of this show. I figured you'd just take my word for it. I, Wrong. 
<laughs> but I'm not wrong, though. Seriously. And this no, is no taking my let, no no I know I, no I know I know I, I know you don't believe me. Uh, no, but, I, it's not that I don't believe you. I just think you may have been you may have uh, been gone overboard with your interpretation. I don't think so. I don't think so because it's it's a uh, it's a violation of the Constitution. That's probably why they want to keep it a secret. Right. The Constitution clearly outlines what what can and can't be done regarding copyrights and patents. Well, but this has already been changed before. We've already uh, extended the. Uh, the copy, the copyrights and, and, and patents. In fact, uh, the holders of the Viagra patent got a 293 extension on that in 1994. These things happen all the time. So, you know, constitution, smonstitution, bomb Libya, bomb Syria. But now all of a sudden, you, now that it's about you know, like your copyright over about your books, now you're like, oh, this is no good. This is unconstitutional. We bomb some people. What do you mean? I've always, I've always said we, the same thing. I'm people, strict we constitutionalist. Pound people to death in the desert, and you're like, eh, get used I, to it. I, but what, eh, get what used I, to it. What was I an advocate of this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's kill them all. Squirrel. <laughs> I agree. Uh, patent shall be available for any new forms, uses, or methods of using a known product in a new form. Um, I'm trying to find that. I mean, now, now you're looking at this. Now you like this is now a theme. This goes into the theme book as something we have to follow closely, especially since they're trying to cover it up. Those. Go ahead, say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. it. Uh, Okay, so here it is. Um, Overall. This is now this I'm paraphrasing, so I'm going to have to now look into it. And hopefully other people will do some of the work because this is interesting. And of course, we only have parts of the document. Um, uh, The proposal for the WikiLeaks when we need them. Oh, please. It's not important to them. There's there's no overall. the, um, The intellectual property chapter of this TPP agreement would include a number of features that would lock in as global norm. Many controversial features of U.S. law, such as endless copyright terms, create new global norms that are contrary to U.S. legal traditions, such as those proposed to damages for infringement. This is a big one, by the way. It's like <laughs> you go to go away forever. The enforcement of patents against surgeons and other medical professional professional rules. Oh, you know what that's all about. Tell me. Uh, they have a lot of, you know, you have process patents now. And so there's a certain you, there may be a procedure that some surgeon may develop and he'll oh, patent right, it. Right, and you right, can't right. use that procedure without right. paying the guy. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm sorry. This procedure is copyrighted. <laughs> Literally. This is great. This is great. Hey, we should get into the porn patenting business. Now, see that see that stuff I just did? That's patented. You can't do that legally. We'll come bust your door down. Well, you know that's why that's where this where that's where this all leads. It all leads to crazy things happening. But you're actually right. Uh, I think I think you've got a point there. Rules concerning patents on biologic medicines, disclosure of information from ISPs. This is crazy. Undermine many proposed reforms of the patent and copyright system, such as, for example, proposed legislation to increase access to orphaned copyright works by limiting damages for infringement. This is interesting. Or statutory exclusions of non-industrial patents, such as those issued for business methods. Wow. You're right. You're right. It's a total takeover of everything. 
And but but the red herring is get everyone like bitching and moaning about you know getting thrown in jail for copyright file sharing. File sharing. That's the Ooh, red herring. File hair. sharing's bad. I'm going to turn my I'm black out. I'm turning my icon black. Meanwhile, when your when your lungs turn black and you can't get the procedure because you can't buy the uh, pay the, for the patent, the copyrighted move. A <laughs> double stitch. <laughs> is someone feeding you lines that was good <laughs> the devil stitch Hot oh i'm gonna go to jail for using that i use their patented groovy sound so anyway yeah, I, at some point yeah this whole show is going to be a violation well it's interesting you bring that up because you people enjoy it while they can yeah please do because uh, we are soon to come ladies and gentlemen uh, and John, you actually said, I think you said it on Twit. And, and we're like, oh, that's just Dvorak being wacky. <laughs> that's not my Leo impersonation, by the way. That is just, just me. Uh, you have said, you know, where this is all leading to is that you will have to have a license to do this show. Just like we yeah. will have to have a license. And it's obvious. Well, we're so close to it because now YouTube has copyright school. Have, have you heard of this? So I want to watch it, though. Okay, well, you'll listen to the audio, and then you can watch it. So if you've been busted for copyright infringement, you, the, what you have to do on your first strike is you have to go and watch this cartoon, which, by the way, is a blatant Rocky and Bullwinkle ripoff in itself, which is just ah! un- unbelievable that no one is calling BS on YouTube for this, on Google for doing this. It's totally Rocky and Bullwinkle, just, you know, and a little they, they different. They ripped off those intellectual property characters. Yeah, they got the squirrel and they got the moose, except they're called something else. Now, so... Moose and squirrel. Uh, squirrel! And uh, I said squirrel. You're right. I didn't uh, comply. So I'm going to play you three little clips from this. You have to watch the whole thing. So first of all, it's the setup because you're too stupid to understand copyright. We've got to ram it down your sad, sad slave throat. So you didn't create that video. You just copied someone else's content. Uploading someone else's content without permission could get you into a lot of trouble. It may be copyright infringement. By the way, the squirrel's getting hit on the head with a hammer. When he gets in trouble, you get hit on the head with a hammer, apparently. (laughs) Copyright is a form of protection for original works of authorship, including literary, dramatic, musical, graphic, and audiovisual creations. Copyright infringement occurs when a copyrighted work is reproduced, distributed, performed, or publicly displayed without the permission of the copyright holder or the legal right to do so. Even though YouTube is a free site, you can get in serious trouble for copyright infringement. You can be sued and found liable for monetary damages. You could lose your booty. Or worse, you could lose your YouTube account. You only get a few chances. If YouTube receives a valid notification of alleged copyright infringement from a copyright holder for one of your videos, the video will be removed in accordance with the law. You'll be notified via email and in your account, and you'll get a strike. If YouTube finds you're a repeat offender, you'll get banned for life. Here's an idea. Why not make your own video? Right. 
So, uh, so this is the. What uh, do they think we're idiots? Yes. Who wrote? Who did? Who produced this piece of garbage? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if that had. I don't think it had credits. It maybe it I, do. I can see why. Yeah. So then, uh, of course, we have this little something called uh, fair use. So, do you think that they? How would they explain fair use if we? Well, fair use. They probably have a whole video about that because that's that's actually very complicated, but at the same time, simple. Okay, so the way they do this is the fair use, which is read almost like a disclaimer, old school, really fast and unintelligible. Really small letters roll across the screen, and you see the fair use sign is squeezing the squirrel because, oh, you don't want to deal with it. Fair use is complicated. You need a lawyer. So if, no, don't, don't think about fair use. Fair use, no, no, that's bad. You don't want to use fair use. YouTube provides tools for rights holders to control the use of their content. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. Here's the fair use clip. Did you get permission for it? Mashups or remixes of content may also require permission from the original copyright owner, depending on whether or not the use is a fair use. In the United States, copyright law allows for the fair use of copyrighted material under certain limited circumstances without the prior permission from the owner. Under the law, determinations of fair use take into account the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the work used in relation to the work as a whole, and the effect of the use upon the potential market for the copyrighted work. Other jurisdictions may have similar copyright provisions protecting fair use or fair dealing. If you are uncertain as to whether a specific use qualifies as a fair use, you should consult a qualified copyright attorney. How horrible is Wh that? What? 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 Wait a minute. You did that. No. That is the, the way the video is. They sped it up? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, one of the most important... Protection, protection aspects of, of, of free speech. Yes, it's fair use, yeah. and they and they, so they just trivialize it, marginalize it with this bull crap at the end like that. They should be ashamed of themselves. These people. Who are they? Who's the head of this operation? Sergey Brin. No, he's going to. He, I doubt. Excuse if he me. Any. Excuse me. Uh, the way I, this, the president of the United States responsible is responsible for a lot of stuff. Screw Sergey Brin. Sergey, you're evil. He, sh he should call a stop to this. He, of all people, should call a stop to this, who use fair use of software all the time. This is, it, I, I got very angry when I saw this. It's like it, it not only trivializes, I mean, yeah, it trivializes the whole idea of fair use and completely squishes it. And you, you can hear the squirrel getting blown up by the fair use clause. It's like getting squished. Consult a lawyer. You don't need to consult a lawyer with fair use. That's what, literally what they said. Consult a lawyer. You couldn't hear it because it was sped up. Now, I heard the part. I heard him say consult a lawyer. Every time you, have, you deal with fair use, which is most use, you know, quoting is what bloggers do. When yeah. you take a clip from somebody's article and they drop the, the clip, the two sentences at the beginning of an article and the, the headline. Or, it's fair use. No squirrel. one's ever been sued over it. And you don't need to call a lawyer every time you do it. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, of course, uh, and this is the final uh, bit. Uh, if you think that you have been, uh, your account has been closed or your video taken down unjustly, uh, YouTube has tools, tools available. But, John, don't you dare misuse those tools. YouTube provides tools for rights holders to control the use of their content. If someone takes down your video by mistake, or as a result of a misidentification of the material to be removed, there's a counter-notification process for that. You can send YouTube a notice that there was an error. But be careful. If you misuse the process, you could end up in court. And then you would get in a lot of trouble.
That's how the law works. That's how the law works. Well, I'll give you, you win, the, you win today's show. How sad is that, though, really? That's pathetic. It's really, really it, it really hurts. <laughs> well, you can go into a funk again and maybe no, get no. more donations. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm not going into no funk. Not over that. I could go into a funk over uh, the uh, the Belgian cleric, uh, Bishop uh, Rohir van Helvia. Wow, I didn't even I can't pronounce nice that. Nice try. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Let me try that again. Van Helvia. Yeah, it's Belgian. Tight. He went on uh, TV to talk about how he sexually abused two boys, but uh, doesn't see himself as a pedophile. He said, hey, <laughs> "He's a what is he then?" <laughs> he said, hey, nothing- hey, you know, I cut it off around six. <laughs> oh God, it had nothing to do with sexuality. He said, "Oh, he just like uh, he just likes uh, the company." Uh, he says, uh, "Look." Uh, He's asexual. Of course, I know this was not good. I've confessed many times. <laughs> oh, well, that, there you got it. <laughs> he describes the 13 years of sexual abuse to which he had subjected one nephew from the age of five as more than a little piece of intimacy. As with, <laughs> and he says, as with all families, when the boys came to visit, the nephew slept with me. Yeah, that happens <laughs> with all families. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I'm going to puke. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, uh, it's, well, most of these guys are deluded. You know, it began as a game with the boys. It was never a oh, question. I bet it was. <laughs> it was never a question of rape. Oh my <laughs> god! I don't have the impression at all that I'm a pedophile. He says it was really just a small relationship. What? I did not have the feeling that my nephew was against it. Quite the contrary. Oh my god! <laughs> I, and you know, this is unbelievable. This is just unbelievable. You know, um, uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, Demi Moore, uh, they, you know, they have to save the world. And I don't know if there's an ulterior motive. I, I think their heart's really in the right place. But so they're going out and they were on Pierce Morgan and they're uh, trying to stop sex slave trafficking. This has been, by the way, I started spotting these sex trades, sex trades, sex slave meme has been floating around and to be honest about it whether they have intentions are good or bad i've seen too much of it out of the blue to, right. to not be suspicious there's either a movie coming out <laughs> yeah, that sad. yeah that's horrible there's a movie coming out or there's something <laughs> else up because this is just this is out of the blue yeah i mean it's not a new problem it didn't start up last week and now this it's all over the place and, of course, it's the old thing, oh, I, we want to make people aware of it. Well, so what? So they're aware of it. It doesn't change anything. How about changing? Get out, get off Pierce Morgan and go do something. I mean, this kind of talk, talk, talk. Oh, now they're aware of it. I've done my job. Doesn't they, You haven't done anything. So, again, I, I, I want to like these people. Uh, and I want to think that their heart's in the right place. But then, For some reason, those two in particular, I think they're just dumb. You know? And so they just like, they really mean well. They're just dumb. Um. But I hear them talking, and I don't have any clips or anything. I hear them talking like, you know, it's so hard to get politicians involved. I'm like, duh, the politicians, the most hookers in America are in Washington, D.C. You're not going to get anyone trying to help you out. 
I mean, there's story after story of judge of, you know, um, uh, not all police officers, but the, in the justice system itself. I've said this many times in Netherlands, the entire justice system is one big, horrible mess of pedophilia. It's like you, 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 in fact, you better watch out if you're not on board with some program, you actually could wind up in the hot tub with the cover on. Be very, very careful. And this is a, a non-starter. So I, now I, I think there's a movie or something involved here because this is coming out of the blue. It's a short-lived phenomenon. Uh, nothing's going to change, and uh, there will be some benefit to you know. There, we'll have to start doing some research, but it, it won't last. No, probably not. And then, uh, as a final thing for me, John, which uh, does include uh, a little clip, uh, there was uh, an interesting. Let me just see if I can find it here. Uh, interesting note, and there was a, comp- a PR company that I've started to investigate, and it really, I went like, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty amazing. Let me just see, where is it here? This is um, the, uh, oh, why can't I find it now? This is peeing me off. It's the, uh, and I have to search for it. Oh, well, while you're searching for yes, that, I can please. play a couple of short clips of, of, from some guy named, I think it's, Hertzgar, Mark Hertzgard is some warmest douchebag that was on Democracy Now!, pretty much condemning everybody for uh, you know anyone who doesn't believe in global warming. I thought these guys had given up on it, and they thought they'd changed the moniker, but apparently not. You can play the warmest a-hole or warmest <laughs> two. I'll play them both. Able to science. That's how science skeptics and the media, I'm very sorry to say, the mainstream media at least, calls them climate skeptics. They are not skeptics. Genuine skeptics are invaluable to science. That's how science progresses is with skepticism. But a true skeptic can be persuaded by evidence. They cannot. They have made up their minds for economic reasons or ideological reasons that they're not going to believe in this. And because our country has allowed them to dominate the debate for 20 years, we're now stuck with 50 more years of rising temperatures. We're now locked in. My daughter, the rest of Generation Hot, are locked in to living under the hottest, most volatile climate our civilization has ever known. Oh, what a douche! Generation Hot. Generation Hot, baby. Let's play the second clip. Now my daughter and her generation are going to have to live with this, and I think that's a terrible crime. All the uh, extreme weather in the, in the past years, there's a lot of debate as to whether we can reasonably uh, link that to uh, climate change, whether it's the, the heat wave in New York City, uh, record heat in, in 2010, the floods in Pakistan, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, weather problems in Europe in 2003. Your sense of that, the individual events versus the general trend. There's only debate about that in the United States. States of America. And we, what? you know, I get this all the time now where people say, well, we, you know, there's all this disagreement. There is not any disagreement unless you are watching Fox News and listening to the, uh, you know, House Republican Party. Uh, look at the uh, countries in Europe, for example. Conservative parties are running Britain, Germany, France. None of those conservative political parties have. Oh my gosh, hold on. The science is in! Science! Squirrel! What an a-hole! <laughs> That's what I said! Oh my god! Well, this actually plays right into what I was about to do. This plays right into it. So, the reason why... So, of course, this all of is promoted by huge PR companies. And 
the way you get something in the news, John, we've said it time and time again, is you've got to have some science. Science! Science! You've got to have a study. So I I read about this particular, because I read the Polish administration has hired the PR firm of Burson Marsteller to help run its EU presidency later this year. One of the big ones. Right. So they're young in Rubicam. They're a part of uh, WPP. They're huge. Huge. So, so I'm like, oh, why don't I just go over and take a look at the website for Burson Marsteller? Oh, my gosh. So that, the first thing I, you know, what do you want to do? You want to look at case studies. It's like, what have they done so far? You know, in case we wanted to hire them to promote our show. <laughs> so they've. Um, We'd be on easy street. So uh, did you know that the Earth Hour campaign is one of theirs? You know, where you turn off the lights? You didn't think that just like cropped up <laughs> yeah, somewhere. That's useful. <laughs> and every, yeah, everyone went like, hey, this is a good idea. Oh, you know, it's like, it, what, this wasn't like hey, a. T- hey, Mary, it's dark. <laughs> Am I dying? This wasn't like a Twitter thing. No, this was a sophisticated PR effort. And they were hired to. Um, and by the way, this Earth Hour campaign was developed by the WWF, the World, Wide, uh, the World Wildlife Foundation. Right. To raise awareness of climate change, encourage energy efficiency, and make a significant contribution towards reducing carbon footprints. Yeah, a significant contribution. So they were hired. They came to the game late, but I guess they stole a piece of the business of Earth Hour. Uh, They were supposed to uh, help India join Earth Hour. So how did they do this? This is fascinating because they put it on their website. So in 2010... They worked with the WWF, that's their client, in the hope of expanding the reach of Earth Hour to cities beyond Delhi and Mumbai through a cost-effective, integrated PR campaign that targeted a core audience of urban youth and prominent corporations with the hope of exceeding previous targets. So, how do we do that? Well, we got to get some celebrities. So, uh, Burson Marstella developed a unique campaign that kicked off with a press conference featuring Bollywood superstar Abhishek Bachan as the brand advocate for Earth Hour 2010. Is it starting to come clear, people, how this works? Hire a celebrity. Then they worked in conjunction with the Hindustan Times Group, i.e., like a huge media conglomerate. The media. The, the media. Ones. In a pro bono arrangement, which means, I don't know, no money but blow me anyway. There was, uh, I don't know where the pro bono yeah. comes from one way or the other. Pro, I mean, pro bono. It's, it's beside the point. Go yeah. on. Leveraging print, radio, and outdoor advertising to convey important campaign messages. Oh, they got the ads for free. Yeah, exactly. Right. The campaign was supported by HT's radio channel. Fever 102 radio DJs delivered targeted messages. Yeah, I bet they did that for free. <laughs> then they developed a customized Earth Hour 2010 website. There's another hundred grand. And created Facebook and Orcut communi- communities to register participants and provide further details on the campaign. So the whole thing, this whole Earth Hour, which you thought foolishly was like, hey, this is something good. Hey, why don't we just all do this? Yeah, I'll turn off the lights. Yeah, uh, like, like, it's like turning your Twitter icon black. But it, you've been completely manipulated by the compromised media. So now I start reading a little bit about how they do their work. And they have two disciplines that are unique to uh, to what do they call B&M, Burson Marcel. They're unique, unique, unique capabilities. And one of them, and John, this blew me away, 
is evidence-based communications. Ooh. This is, we can learn a lot from these you guys. You can learn a ton. I have a, this is their own promotional video, and they have all their douchebags there. Evidence-based communications, which is code for scientists being paid to come up with a study that proves your point. Evidence-based communications um, is a fundamental part of everything we are doing moving forward at Burson Marsteller. Certainly it's a part of client service, meaning in our everyday work for the clients we already have, and showing them that um, research and empirical tools empirical tools will make them better and will make us better as an agency. Evidence-based communications is a way to say to our clients, first and foremost, you're going to make this investment, and we want to show you what you get out of it. What could that investment be in, John? What do you think? Sounds to me like they're investing in a study of some kind of science. They employ scientists. And not just in a soft way, because often what we do in communications uh, is, is less tangible. It's a little harder to measure. But what if we could come up with a way to actually measure it, to show people uh, and show our clients, here's where you are now, or here's what your reputation is now, or here is what we believe the best message can be from now, for now. And if you do this and you make these investments, here's what we believe you can move to. Here's how much better you can be. I start from that framework that I found many clients were willing really to go through all of the extra steps of not wanting the answer first, but wanting to have a process of getting to the answer. Oh, I love that. Having a process of getting to the answer. In other words... Well, wait, wait. In other words, more billable hours, but go well, ahead. Obviously, more billable hours, but it's kind of defined. It's like, you know, okay, we're going to have all these hours that we're going to build to you, but then you'll have a study at the end of piece of paper that is definable. It's empirical. It's empirical tools. That were supported not just with great creative and messaging, but with really hard facts mm -hmm. that led to those conclusions. Because mm -hmm. the probability that they're going to be successful is so much higher when they go through that process. Yeah. And now we've expanded the tools out from just research to so many other tools. Look, at the end of the day, the prospect is going to spend their hard-earned money on an agency to help them achieve some result. And we can either uh, we can either make stuff up and guess at a solution and walk into the room and pitch a solution that hasn't been tested or isn't empirical. And we can all sort of wonder, well, we like those guys and they seem smart and we'll buy that and we'll someday wonder if we were successful or not. Or we can come into this process and say we have empirical tools that will allow us to measure how we're doing, allow you to have confidence in us as an agency, allow us to have confidence in the recommendations that we're giving you. And to me, that completely changes the nature of a new business conversation. Within our industry, there's no other firm, I think, that can bring together the capabilities of evidence-based and infuse it into our everyday client relationships. I think it, clients today are demanding more from us. They're demanding more evidence that the money that they spend is going to be successful and is successful. It's about applying some of the science ah, that we is. have available today science. to really help direct both the message and evaluation of the programs that we do. And I think it makes our work so much more valuable. There you go. Evidence-based communication. It's, it's how it works. Yep. Well, it's been that way for, I don't know, last 30, I know, but it's, years. It's, it's nice to put a name to it. Oh, I, I it's had, actually great that they, these guys keep... I mean, this is how... Talk about hubris. We talked about this was the theme of the show. Um talk about hubris to actually come out and just and just lay it all out and not you know not try to keep it 
to themselves or to, I mean, essentially it's been long since the, the, these PR companies have long, I know many of the people that are involved with this and they're just, they're, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. I mean, we, we, we manipulate the media because the media is a bunch of idiots anyway. And, uh, the public will go along with what the media tells them and we can tell them what to do. And, and they're very straightforward about it. I mean, they're not trying to cover it up. They're not trying to hide anything. It's just the fact that the public doesn't seem to, you know, make the leap to fix figure this out that this is what's happening to them and as long as they don't this will continue well and they never will by the way well there is one more thing and that is their discipline known as effluentials because in 1998 burson marsteller identified a group of online opinion makers which they call effluentials which has a little r by the way it's a registered trademark oh who have exponential influence shaping and driving public opinion through the Internet and throughout the offline world. Compared with the average Internet user, effluentials are far more active in their usage of email, newsgroups, bulletin boards, listservs, other online vehicles when conveying their messages. While they are extremely influential online, effluentials also spread their opinions in the offline world as well. Their families and peers regularly approach them for information, opinions, and advice on a wide range of subjects. Now, effluentials... Over the past nine years, and so you said, you know, the public will never hear about it. Think about if you know anyone like this. Over the past nine years, we have extended our knowledge of effluentials with research on segment-specific influential audiences, including tech influentials, momfluentials, and youthfluentials. Each effluential segment is nuanced in terms of how its members influence their peers and how they can be most effectively reached by organizations. In other words, people who you are listening to on podcasts, watching uh, in online video segments, are paid for their communication. This is what the mommy bloggers is all about, who actually get paid to tweet about vaccines. Who knows who else is being paid to promote something? Because these guys talk, here's your hubris right here. They actually pay people to influence your technology buying, the momfluentials for the stuff that you buy in the supermarket, and the youthfluentials for God knows what. Yeah, no, I know this is a fact. Okay, now here's the interesting part of this. Burson Marsteller, uh, Ogilvy, all these guys, uh, Ogilvy has a whole operation very similar to this called Ogilvy 360. And which is about social media. And the idea is that they can, you know, they want to get these bloggers. They want to get, you know who they are. Their, their name crops up all the time. I am not one of them. I have not gotten a check from a PR agency in my life. I have to be honest. I have to be completely honest with you right now. I am a member of the Milfluential group. Milf. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, back to seriousness. <laughs> so there is, there's the, what they don't want to talk about and I'm going to, people should, people who listen to the whole show will get a kick out of this because a lot of people would never get to the end of the show and they probably should. What they don't want to talk about is this doesn't work. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. oh, that sucks. The old way works better. I mean, they still do the old way with, with the DJs and the hot Bollywood stars and the, you know, the George Clooney's and that. That still works. Let me just read. This is a report that has been suppressed. Came out of 4C and it was, it was out of the UK talking about the UK marketing mix. I don't have this. We had to do our own report or do some research to prove this in the US too. It might be a little different. But this was a, a study done on uh, primary influences 
on uh, what the percent of shoppers that people where people why people would go buy something from anyone, buy an idea, buy a product, buy any buy anything. And this is the order of influence from top to bottom. The number one influence, what makes you want to buy anything, is the familiarity with the brand. Right. That's 46%. Number two, when it comes on. Sorry. What? No, I just coughed. Sorry. Oh, number two is search engine results. Really? 13%. Then promotional emails. 10%. 10%. By the way, we have mail. mail well, but e- e- influentials do promotional emails, don't they? And search results can also be results yeah, no, based be upon influentials. Can, but this is just the pure play. Mm-hmm. Word of mouth, which is another 10%. TV, newspaper, radio, magazine ads, internet ads, uh, interaction on social networks comes in at 3%. So in other words, Obama is a shoe-in for the next election because of his brand awareness. Yeah. Probably, right? Shopping comparison websites, by the way, came in at 2%, which is bad news for them. Blogs, 1%. <laughs> and product review websites, which is the sorry number, 1%. Jeez. So these things are exaggerated. They've been, they've been hyped. They've been pumped. In fact, the, the, the mechanism itself that these guys produce, the, the PR people, they've actually promoted this concept to themselves. <laughs> they've influenced themselves. They've influenced themselves. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, it's and, and they're just they're, and I'm just saying this. Anybody who runs a corporation wants to you know deal with this. Don't waste your money. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, this once again proves uh, that that we we have the right idea, and the idea is don't try and sell anything except for a great product and let people figure out if they want to send you some money for it. And I'm and I quite quite simply I wake up and I'm happy about it. I'm uh, poor. Sh- I'm poor, but I'm happy. And you should be. Well, you're broke. It's <laughs> and, not, and, it's and, I and I don't have to wear that douchebag suit these guys are wearing. Now, I do have an end-of-show clip which contrasts mightily with what we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. I think it is it's the culmination of where TV is headed. It was a clip taken with uh, Alicia Cuthbert, the pretty blonde actress, mm-hmm. on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And I think this summarizes the direction of which television is headed. And uh, I'm not really complaining about it that much. So we don't have to come back after that clip? We can just... Uh, no, we're done. That it? clip ends okay. the show. Uh, remember, everybody, Dvorak.org slash NA. Uh, so the things we're looking for for our next program, which will be on Thursday, is uh, why did we want to kick Russia out of the Mediterranean? What do we want from them? That's the one thing we got to be on the lookout for. And the other one is we're still looking for an RV for the Gitmo Nation uh, tour, Hot Pockets Across America. And uh, your help, of course, is highly appreciated in uh, finding that. Someone's got to have one of these things that we can borrow for a couple of weeks. I would hope, yeah. And as always, nice talking to you twice a week, John. Uh, Good uh, talking to you too, sir, Adam. (laughs) Breaker, breaker. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West here in the People's Republic of Southern California at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center. In the morning to you all, I'm Adam Curry. And it's in the morning someplace, obviously. I'm from northern Silicon Valley, or that's where I am anyway at the moment. In the Buzzkill Bunker, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda.
Yeah, that might ruin it. But you know what? You know when you're with someone for a substantial amount of time, it's it's hard, especially with guys, to come up with great gifts. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and I never told you this story. I I ordered him. A friend of mine said because we have a pool table, and he loves to play pool with the, with the guys and whatnot. I don't play pool, but mm -hmm. he's great at it. And so a girl a friend of mine said, "There's this website that does custom." Custom balls. <laughs> you can get them custom balls. What's so custom about them? Custom, you can put their either like their name in there. Their in first, the ball. In the ball, they're clear, but they have you know That's cool. a little bit of the. So I thought that was like you know what this is a clever idea. Yeah. This is something he. This is like a novelty something gift. Something you need. Yeah. This is a definite need, not a want. <laughs> it's a need. Um, no, you know it was just a fun, unique gift. Yeah. So I get on the phone, I call, I order them, and then they show up finally, and, and I open the box, and you know what the ball said? <laughs> no. They were supposed to say Dion Phaneuf, and right. they said Chloe and Lamar Odom. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> one athlete got one guy's balls, and the other athlete got the other guy's balls. You swap balls with the Kardashian the Odom? The company swapped balls. Swapped our balls. So did you get? So I got Lamar's balls, and he got Dion's oh, balls. Oh wow, Hollywood, you know. <laughs> like, That's a collector's item, huh? Like, I'm like, hey Chloe, can I get my guy's balls back? Oh please? wow, I definitely would have kept the Odom balls. I, I mean, did. Why not? I did actually. You know? I did. So, oh, what was the point of all that? Dvorak.org/slash/na.